And good morning, everybody, on this Tuesday, July 25th. See, I'm already doing better than yesterday. Uh, This is Stan the Fan sitting in for Glenn Clark on the Glenn Clark Radio Show. With us in studio, Griffin Bass, who is uh, handling the ones and the twos over there, making sure everything sounds good. And uh, baseball aficionado Grant DeVivo is in the house. Good morning. Guys, guys, here's what we've got for you on the show today. Um, Rich Stubroff of BaltimoreBaseball.com will join us at 1030 from the city of brotherly love where he is covering the Baltimore Orioles. I'll be at the Orioles game tonight sitting in the stands, and I'm trying out a sub place on the way up. Okay. That's got cheesesteak place. Incredible reviews. It's right. called Gooey Louie's. Gooey Louie's. I don't know Louis. if I've heard of Gooey Louie's. This at, is like in Philly? It's in Philly. It's in South Philly. It's a, gotcha. supposed to be just a few minutes away from the ballpark. It's at a place called Penn's, P E N N S, Penn's Port. Penn's One Port. word okay. Penn's Port Plaza. Gotcha. All right. It seems like it would be like almost well, like the Rotunda or something like that. Yeah. A mix of office spaces, shopping, and a couple restaurants. Well, I'm looking forward to your review when you get back, and if it's, uh, they, if it's the best cheesesteak in Philly. They had some video last night. Uh, first of all, they don't do cheese whiz, okay, uh, which well, right away yeah. which right away gives them a big thumbs up oh, from yeah. me. You don't like the cheese whiz? No, not what a bit. It's it's Philly cheesesteak. No, it's not. <laughs> Well, no, it's not. That's, that's that somebody what makes came it a up Philly with the idea. Thing. Somebody probably came up with the idea to save a couple bucks, <laughs> and that became the thing in Philly. It's not. That's steak. not a Philly cheesesteak, cheese cheese whiz. Okay, and if it is, then the Philly cheesesteak goes down about ten rungs <laughs> on my list. It's it's BS. I call BS. Okay. All right. Anyway, we've got Rich Dubroff uh, today at ten thirty. Bo Smolka, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, writer for Pressbox, beat reporter for Pressbox and PressboxOnline.com. Bo Smolka talks to us on the eve of uh, the opening of training camp. And then one of my favorites of all time joins us at around 1130, uh, number 24, but number one in your hearts, Rick Dempsey, will join us to talk about uh, the celebration coming up to the 1983 World Series. You know, it's interesting with uh, Dempsey. He had, in that brief time, he had the 83 World Championship where he won the MVP of the championship and told President Reagan that you tell him, tell President Reagan that the, tell them Russians we're having a damn good time here playing baseball, uh, to winning the World Series again after one year in Cleveland in 1987. He went to the Dodgers and ended up playing and winning a World Series for Tommy Lasorda there and caught some of uh, Oral Hershiser's big games back then. And I have to ask him if he was one of the catchers that caught him in his, uh, at the time, record-breaking consecutive innings. Does he still hold the record for consecutive innings pitch, shutout innings pitch? It was like 88. He beat Don Drysdale had held the record. I think like it's 73 or 75 consecutive shutout innings. 
59 consecutive scoreless innings is held by Oral Hershiser. It's 59? 59 okay. consecutive scoreless innings. Okay. Yeah. 59. I wonder if then what year did he set it? In 88? Uh, 88, yep. Yeah. I'll bet you Dempsey caught him a little bit. Even though we're on, he's coming on to talk about the 83, I want to talk to him about Oral Hershiser. Yeah, Dempsey's first year with the Dodgers was 88, so he definitely was a part of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no question. I remember that very well. And you know who else was on that team? John T-Bone Shelby. Oh, oh yes. yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. That's who I knew. I knew he was on that Keep team. Keep John Shelby in your mind. For Immaculate for Grid. Immaculate yeah. Grid. Uh, I, I flamed out last night. I missed the first answer. I, it was like something very obvious. I said, well, he had to have driven in 100 runs for this team. And it was Eddie Murray, Cleveland Indians, I guess, Eddie Murray drove in 100 runs. Oh, man. And he did not drive in 100 Stan, runs. Stan, you but I'll should start know it, this. I'll start it again on, oh, on, your, on, your, on, your, on your laptop. Yeah, because <laughs> the rest of them, I had, I had some pretty good ones, like two or three one-percenters. But I had one. It was a was it three thousand hits or something like that? Two hundred hits in a season. Two hundred hits in a season, and it was Milwaukee. Okay, who comes to your mind? Milwaukee two hundred hits. I'm taking a bold guess. Robin Yount. Well, the two that came to my mind were Yount and Molitor, and I knew a hundred percent that Molitor did it. So you didn't want to use But it's yeah. but a big percent, like thirty eight or forty some percent. We're guessing that. Has Yelich had two hundred hits? I was about yeah. to ask that. Yeah. You know, he probably has, but but I would think that that would also be high because right, it's yeah, really recent. I wonder active. if uh, was it Cecil Cooper who was their first baseman? Cecil Cooper. You would know better than me, Stan. Yeah. you would know better than me on that one. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of other potential Milwaukee Brewers that have gotten 200 hits, and nobody comes to mind. You were right about Cooper. Cecil Cooper did it. Yeah, he did it multiple times. Yeah. All right. I'm using that uh, one then. Now That's I can mine. use that and get one percent. All right, three uh, percent. What's that? Three percent. Three percent. Yeah, okay. crazy. Dubroff, Smolka, Dempsey. We start with uh, looking at the diamond at Citizens Bank Ballpark last night. Big win by the Baltimore Orioles. Dean Kramer went seven. Guys, he had about ninety-three pitches. I think after seven innings. You were you wanted to. I wanted him to come out for the eighth inning and at least in, in a one-run game. In a one-run game, to at least get the first out of the inning. I think the first out was the number nine hitter. It was uh, Rojas, who had gotten a hit off of him. I'm not saying I would have wanted him to start uh, to pitch to Schwerber for the. But what happens? Right. They get the first two guys on base. You know, Dean could have done that, is what you're saying. I'm saying that <laughs> Dean could have gotten that first guy out, and then you bring in the left-hander to pitch to Schwarber. And I thought the left-hander at that time should have been – I just did not have a good – I liked Danny Colomb. I was he didn't look very sharp last night, though. He, he had nothing last night. But that even before I knew he had nothing, I just didn't like him in that situation, um, pitching to those guys. I wanted them to go to Perez at that time. In, but the, in the eighth, what yeah. What do I know? Yeah, you know? I, mean, it, yeah. I mean, did Perez uh, worry you at all in the ninth? I mean, obviously, uh, yes. obviously he did. A, li- a little bit. There's no question about it, but he is back really. Yeah, yeah. He seems, he's I found mean, his form again from yeah, last he's year. he's definitely found his form. That's a good way to put it. And I agree with uh, Brandon that that spot was a little too big at this point in time for Shintaro Fuji and Nami uh, yeah. to have been in. I think he needs... Some lower leverage, wet, lower yeah. leverage stuff, 
you know. And, and see what happened when they did that, did that to Perez. His numbers went down. He got his confidence back. Maybe that's what Fujinami needs, too, Right, is that eight-run gap. Right, right. Uh, anyway, Orioles get a big win. Some unsung heroes in the game. Um, James McCann, to me. Oh, yeah. The tag at home plate was just sensational. Uh, and I think he did get him. Yeah, oh yeah, he did. He definitely did because he tacked him yeah. like on the armpit. I think. He got him. I thought <laughs> yeah. he got him like sort of. Yeah, it was, right not, it was like on the armpit, armpit. chest. Yeah. yeah, he got him right. Harper barely. is an exciting player. Though. He, he He was waving safe, and then he like when he was called out, he, he was like, like no. Yeah. Plays with uh, a lot of emotion. Uh, Colt Colton Kowser. Yes. We talked about him yesterday and talked about Aaron Hicks and his. You know, this is a guy who had been nothing but injured for three the last three seasons with the Yankees, and Brandon Hyde is running him out there every day. Um, I thought it was inevitable that he would get hurt. I hope it's nothing serious. But the play, I thought Brett, Harris, Brett Hollander, was who does a terrific job on pre and post and radio, and, play play, and yeah. last night he did the game on TV, does a terrific job, but he was like sort of mortified like, what's going on here about the ball dropping out of Hicks' glove? Just how long do you have to have the ball? I thought that – Oh, thought, you thought it counted. I, mean, I thought it counted as an out to me. Or maybe he, like, kind of turned the thing over, had it, and then, and then as rolled he rolled over top again, of it. Yeah. then it came out. I don't think you have to have it all that – I don't think it's like you count 10 – I think you can't yeah, yeah. like I mean I guess they're using the NFL rules where you know no one really knows what a catch is I, I and you find need to have three hard, steps and I find it very hard to move. believe that the, the, what they're saying is well the Phillies didn't realize it in time. They had like 10 minutes while Hicks oh, was yeah. hurt. They had to have seen the video. I don't know who could have missed it. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was um uh, Hicks still Hicks is, you know, he's not what he was four or five years ago defensively, but still a a good defender, a good defender. Range, covers a lot of ground. Covers a lot of ground and reads the baseball exceptionally well. well. Reads the base. So tonight the Orioles are back in Philly, and they've got Kyle Gibson going to the mound, and they've got uh, facing Tejon Walker of the Philadelphia Phillies, who is suddenly – uh, really been pitching pretty well for the Phillies. Yeah, he uh, yeah he has been. It's gonna it's definitely gonna be a tough test against. Uh, I mean, Gibson's been. I mean, he's he's just been so shaky. It feels like like he's giving you what you need. You need him to give you five innings every time. You would like more, uh, but he's giving. He's gonna give you five innings every time. And uh, you know, Stan, are you gonna be able to contain yourself? If uh, are you gonna join in with the Philly fans in the booing? If uh, you know, if 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 Kyle Gibson doesn't give the Orioles the start they're looking for tonight, well, you think they'll be booing Kyle Gibson? Well, the, the Orioles fans. No, the Orioles fans. No, I don't think I'll be. Uh, you're, you're not gonna. You're not gonna feed into the no, uh, to, no, to the Philly. No. The and in fi- Philadelphia, um, Philadelphia is a tough town. Oh yeah, I'm not wearing my Oriole hat. Trey Turner knows oh, that. Like that. No. Really, I'm 71 years old. Oh come on, Stan. I don't need some 28 year old. I'll leave that to you. Put on your, you know, okay. your, uh, your 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 yeah. City when Connect. You pay, uh, yeah. when, you pay, when you pay 102 dollars for a ticket and parking, and it'll end up being 120 uh, by the time I uh, buy the cheese steaks, yeah. you know, <laughs> before the game at Gooey no cheese Lewis. whiz, yeah. yeah, with no cheese whiz. Well, right. how do they call themselves Gooey? Louis, if, if, there's, no if, there's, yeah, if there's no cheese. No, they're going to put provolone on it. Oh, I mean, yeah, but you want the cheese whiz, Stan. 
I'm gonna. I'm sorry, one, Griff, but I'm gonna stand on this. You gonna one. bring? Uh, you bring one back for me? No. 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 Jeez. no. Won't. It won't taste good. My wife <laughs> was asking me late last night. She says, "You'll bring me back a tuna sub," because she <laughs> loves tuna. And I said, "No, I'm not bringing you back a tuna sub." Well, the next you're coming back. You're staying there for Wednesday's game too, right? No, I'm not staying there for Wednesday. Oh, you're coming not right oh, okay. back. Okay, coming right back. Yeah, so, well, then you can so, grab it on the way home. No, they won't be open. At well, that the time. games that you know, they get, this is what we were talking about yesterday. The games start at six thirty, six forty. So Gooey Louis, I think they close at nine o'clock or something. We'll leave the game early. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> not going to do that. Gibson versus Walker tonight at six forty. That game will be on Masson. You can also listen to it on WBAL Radio and uh, 98 Rock, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that is correct. Simulcast on both stations. Uh, the Orioles now have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, are we getting giddy yet? Yeah. Or, do, or, mm-hmm. or are we t- picking up where we left off yesterday that this club has some work to do? And by this club, I'm saying the general manager – of the baseball team, Mike Elias. Yeah, there's no doubt that they have that. I mean, you, it, it's so weird because you are every game. It's like, man, why did they do this? Why? Why are they doing that? We could really use this, and it's just like, but they keep winning. They keep winning ball games, and it's so it's 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 why it's uh it's why it's been so much fun because it's like why it's like how a lot of a lot about when you look at this team, it's like mm, how are they. How are they winning 62 games and in, in two and a half games up in the toughest division in baseball that we've seen in, in yeah, decades? Some of the some of the parts is greater than the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think a lot of it is we kind of talk about every single day a, a little bit here and there. It's Brandon Hyde. He is he is just he's pushing the right buttons when he needs to. Whether that's Danny Coulomb in the eighth when you think it should be Perez and he gets through and Coulomb gets through it just enough and they score. Just enough. They score just. They score when they have to in the top of the ninth, getting the the, the big hit for Colton Cowser, and uh, and and that, you would that, like to see that inning where we scored the run that started with Henderson drawing a walk, right? Uh, I believe battling it did. like hell with uh, Craig Kimbrell. That was the top of the ninth. Top yeah, Kimbrell the- came in, and then uh, Frazier lined out to open the inning. Then yeah, Henderson walked. Right. Henderson's walk was really impressive to me. He was going against a uh, a slightly diminished Craig Kimbrell. You know, Kimbrell isn't what he was three, four years ago or eight years ago, but he's still doing a really professional job. And you would think that if there's one guy that's going to take advantage of a young hitter's youth and enthusiasm – and it's, overzealousness, it's, it's going to be Kimbrel. And I thought Henderson had a mature, like, veteran-like at bat, Grant. Yeah, he did. Um, I, I, I actually missed that at bat, but I, the whole what inning... What were you doing, whole, going to the bathroom? Maybe. Yeah. No, but, I, I mean, that just speaks to Gunner's plate approach and Gunner's discipline because his OBP is ridiculous. I, can, I, I mean, he, he, t- he knows what he wants. He knows what he doesn't want. I think a lot of these young hitters, like him, Rutschman... Cowers are even in that at bat. He know, they know what they want. You know, it's not an accident. No. It, it's one thing to have a philosophy that your hitting coaches preach is, you know, controlling the strike zone. But the Orioles have done a great job at scouting these players at high school yeah. and college to get players that they know going into the process, the developmental process, have, a good, have good eyes. Yeah, and it's a big. I, I feel like this era of Orioles offense is a, a huge, even double from the last playoff stretch we had. You know, we had a lot of free swingers 
on our last um, playoff run. Yeah. Not, not to shade any disrespect to that team because that was an amazing run we had. You know, but they had like scope. a three eleven on base percentage, and that's because you had guys like Scope, Manny, Crush swinging at pitches that yeah, they need to be and laying. Adam, yeah, yeah, yeah Jonesy yeah, couldn't Jones. lay off that slider. Yeah, uh, but now you got guys, and again, no disrespect to that team. That was some of my best days as a fan watching those guys. But now this 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 lineup we have is even more potent because of their ability to work the count, get on base. Like Gunner draws a ton of walks because he again they really good. Offensive coordinators with Ryan Fuller, Cody Ashey, these guys coming in, and they know what they want. They know what they're going to lay off. You know, Cowser gets a you know a hanging breaking ball in the outside corner from again a, a a multi all-star, and just flicks it. Yeah, we're not we're working for all fields. We're you know we're working. We're not trying to crush everything for a home run. It, it's a very very. Um, I think what we've been looking it's a for calculated in, in an offense. approach. That's what we've been waiting approach. for. Yeah, and it's why this it's why this team does feel different. And you you can point to all the holes that you think they have. Maybe they need more power. Maybe they need more of this. Obviously, the pitching does seem like a hole. But it's why you know you, as we approach the deadline, no one's really saying, "Oh, the Orioles need to go out and get a bat." It's because they the way the they've right come things. up. Yeah, the way they've come up is they they've shown so much plate discipline. Every single player up and down the lineup is is very comfortable at the plate, except for I don't know maybe Jorge Mateo. Like like whenever a guy comes to the plate, you know they're gonna work a good at bat and uh, and and you know see some pitches one way or another. Yeah, forget power at this point. What mm-hmm. we're doing, just keep doing that. The small parts, and we will win games that way. So let me ask you. Let me pose you one hypothetical, and we don't know the answer to this just yet. They were going to be checking him out. If Aaron Hicks joins Cedric Mullins on the IL, is the move there McKenna, or is it Heston Kerstat? I mean, or is it or is it then trying to get like a uh, a veteran? I'm not I'm not saying this player, but somebody like. A Kevin Pillar, because I'm sure the Braves Ooh. love having Kevin Pillar. So the Braves aren't giving him up. Bring it back but somebody East. like a veteran like that. What do you think if Hicks joins? You uh, know? I mean, I I, th- I think they should call up Kerstad and uh, he's ready. Yeah, he's I, ready. I, I think he's ready too. He's he's doing. I mean, I mean, I'm agreeing with you. So nothing's going to hurt. Nothing's going to hurt. Him Devils him. Yeah, Thirty-three yeah. games at. Triple A Norfolk since he got bumped from Bowie. Yeah, he's hitting three forty. Yeah, yeah. three forty four, five homers, sixteen RBIs. His OPS is over one. I, I think he's ready. Yeah, yeah, nothing's gonna hurt him from sticking around in Triple A for another month or two if that was the original plan. But I think you know what the way the injuries that you have to the in, to the outfield. I think uh, he would certainly have a role on this team immediately. Um, but I think. Anything other than McKenna, I think. Really, I think I've seen enough of him. You know, he's he seems like a great clubhouse guy. He's a good guy. And there's um, there's assets there, but the, but yeah, the, if the you know, if they had the link. chance to go out and get a Pilar, who I know is a major league caliber hitter, and I threw plays that great name defense. out. He's not yeah. available. Yeah, he's but, not. Somebody, yeah. but yeah, yeah, someone like if there is a veteran outfielder that you know How about can put like together Alameda's Diaz or something from Oakland. You Does know. he play the outfield now? It's, he used to. He played it for a good while. Okay. He is a um, he's a mixed usage guy. You're right. I think I'd lean. I guess, I'm leaning more Kerstad. I don't know. Same. You know what? You know, middle, I, I'm middle a, level. I'm a Kerstad guy at this yeah. point. In time. Or if you're not ready to bring him up, there's always somebody like purchase a contract of Daz Cameron. Yeah, Daz a Really Cameron, good go. year for Norfolk. I'd be I'd be fine with the Daz Cameron experiment. You know, I mean, hopefully he would catch fire for you know a week or two as he as he first gets up is here. Is he is considered as good as his dad was as an outfielder? Uh, that's an excellent Mike question, Cameron. Stan. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he is Mike's son. Yeah. Um, he was a first round, uh, second round B 
balanced pick or whatever. Yeah, that by the Astros, right? Yeah. And he hasn't really – he never really lived up to that hype in the majors, or not yet. But, I mean, in AAA, I mean, he's he's torn it up. Uh, he's probably 19 about stolen 20, bases. He's probably about 27 or 28 years old. Yeah, he's old. still young. Like he's 26. 26. 26. 14 homers in 73 games. There's power. His slugging is 490, and he's got speed, too. 19 stolen bases. He's only been caught five times. Um, I've been keeping track of Daz Cameron all year, and they've really hyped him up online and in, in the stat board. So if you want to purchase contract, that's, a, that's then, an interesting name. Right. That's an interesting. And then name. if when Hick, if and when Hicks and, and Mullins come back, all you do is send him down or designate him for assignment. Yeah. He might still be there. He might get claimed, but there's depth. If you don't feel that Kerstad's ready, if you want to develop him more, they have a lot of depth. Some of those minor league signings they've made, and Cameron's one of them. Yeah. Yeah, how do you get Cameron on the forty man though? He's not on the forty. Yeah, man. no, he's. You'd not. have to select his contract. Yeah, um, no, no, you have to select his contract, but uh, you, you can't move. get a forty-first player without getting rid figure of. Figure out, yeah, figure who out who we who we yeah. cut. I don't know, Mateo. That might be. Nah, yeah. Mateo. Well, so, so the IL. So if the IL, what what Austin. is the way the IL works? Um, do they would they have to just put It'll somebody on like 10, the six? They'd have to put somebody on the sixty day. They'd have to put who? They'd have to put somebody on the sixty day, right? For to want open to avoid up the that. Or, or DFA someone. From yeah, the, uh, you that's could. One to forty, and that could that could maybe what, be. Well, Keegan Aiken goes to the sixty day IL, or Austin Berth gets is, let go. Is Keegan Aiken on the IL? Yes, he is. Yeah, fifteen day. The major league IL. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he that could mean, easily. That he could then. easily. Yeah. He could even go on the ninety day IL. Maybe the 160 day, 120 day, day yes. IL. Yeah. yeah, he's cheese whiz. He's, he's cheese whiz. <laughs> he's you, cheese you don't want any of him. No. Just as restricted list. Not enough. He's not. He's not cheese whiz to me. He's no. he's he's lower. He's worse than that. Yeah, he's worse. Than that. Oh, jeez. He's worse. But if you could book him on the show tomorrow for Ken Zalis, you would, wouldn't you? Um, uh, you know what? Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If he wants, and to, then if he you'd wants be to sucking him. up to him. We'll see. Like the we'll spineless yeah. jellyfish you I, are. I wouldn't have this. Yeah. Well, well, come on, Stan. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't have this same energy. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> I'd be you, like, how do you how like. You come, how are you coming along? I'd be like, how do you like Anaheim? Uh, yeah. You know. You yeah. think. You think uh, you go to Disneyland. Disneyland? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for get Otani over here. Uh, for yeah. Just throw him in the package. You think he's a key is. to the Otani uh, hunt? Yeah, he might be. He yeah. might be. For those that don't know it, uh, MLB Trade Rumors in one of their. Deep dives into the Otani situation are quoting John Morosi as saying the uh, what's the other team the Orioles and the Diamondbacks and the Diamondbacks have uh, have are interested in Otani. Like who wouldn't be interested in Otani? Well, they're doing what they said they're doing their due diligence is I believe what the report said. So that just sounds like we're calling and saying, hey, just checking in. Yeah. Tell you what, we've got a big. Is this like oak? This table. Um, it's from it's from the old building. I know. It's from I, the yeah, I don't know what mill, the exact. Uh, you want me to call know, up John Colson yeah, and find court. out? But whatever it is, if the Orioles end up with Shohei Otani, I will eat this desk. You'll eat the desk. Yes. All I right. Let me write that down. Make desk. sure we don't. Uh, okay. Make sure I sign that. Let's make a twenty take a minute picture mark. of it. Take a picture of it and tweet it out and say, "Stand the fan." We'll eat this entire desk. All right. I will. With cheese whiz. <laughs> Okay. He All said right, it. That's what I'm standing for. Stan's, how's Stan's hungry. For, yeah, how's let, that for a challenge? Yeah, let Elias know that Stan is Stan is hungry. Yeah. And, uh, and and to go make the move, he will he will eat this desk. You'll eat the entire With desk, the entirety wins. of the desk. Okay. 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 I'll buy the cheese whiz for you, Stan. Oh wow. Okay. So, thank, thank you. Thank, thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Grant. Thank you. <laughs> you guys would allow me to do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why not? I would do it. <laughs>
The cheese whiz may be a little too much. Just cheese whiz on just a couple spots, okay? <laughs> the cheese whiz will be too much? Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, at least you, yeah. Ravens camp opening tomorrow, correct, Griffin? Believe Bass? so, believe so. Okay. July 26th. Players have been reporting the last day mm-hmm. or two. Interesting news that the Ravens picked up running back Melvin Gordon. So they are – is this a case of just trying to get better or are they sending a message – to J.K. Dobbins. Um, and is Dobbins contemplating pulling a Saquon Barkley? It's probably more the latter. Saquon obviously just signed Saquon's, a one-year deal. He uh, did today. sign a one. Yes, for how much? like this morning. Uh, I think it was uh, $11, million, $11 million like guaranteed, and then uh, I believe there was – I'm sure there was incentives okay. for, for it to go higher. $2 million signing bonus. Yeah, just $11 million. I mean, I say just $11 is he million. In the same, is he in the same contract uh, status – as J.K. Dobbins, he was coming into his free agency. No, he was so he was franchise tagged. Saquon Barkley was, was franchise tagged, so he didn't sign the tender, the franchise tender, um, and because I believe the tag tender was about ten million dollars. Right. So this, when he signs this, that gives him, I guess, another million dollars more than right. whatever it was. And it's essentially he's playing on, he's essentially playing on the tag again since it's just a one year deal. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, so Saquon signs that leaves Josh Jacobs uh, as the as the lead back. Yeah, well, no, I mean, Josh Jacobs second. as yeah one of the the only other at least the top running back that has yet to report okay, or that's sign. That's right. He's has he's still controlled by the Raiders, right? Correct. Josh yeah. Jacobs. Yeah, because I believe he was and they're in Las tag. Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is not the Oakland, Oakland East now. Yep. Yeah, they take yeah. all of Oakland's teams. All right. Um, um, and so Dobbins is just holding out because he wants an extension because he's still under his rookie deal. He, okay. This is the final year of his rookie so deal. So he's looking for an extension and is unhappy. Yeah. And so, But anyway, Did, to answer your question, I believe it is more of the latter. They're trying to kind of, you know, put the pressure on J.K. Dobbins to show up. And, you know, if hey, if you don't show up, Fine, we got Melvin Gordon, right. or and Gus Edwards. We'll see what uh, we'll see what uh, we'll yeah. see what Gus Edwards has left. I mean, uh, he didn't look great coming back from the knee injury, um, but you know, a year removed. It'll be interesting to see what his off season reaped because you know he had to get in really terrific shape, mm-hmm. you know, because he he was a he was a gamer. He was a real plow horse. Yeah, Gus Edwards, Gus Bus, man. I, yeah. I was all in on Gus yeah. Edwards. I was when they announced his extension. I was ecstatic, and then of course he 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 goes down, and they and they lose him for a year, right. and then doesn't look the same last year. So big big year for him as well. If he you know for really his NFL future uh, this season, see if he can. Is stay it healthy. hard to believe for you guys? And you're both youngsters in in your twenties. Is it hard to believe that uh, the Orioles reached the hundred game mark last night? That was hundred. Doesn't yeah, it, it seem like the season just? Quick. Yeah, yeah, it really flies. Well, I by. feel like I was just at the Birdland Caravan yesterday. The <laughs> the whole tour to the the tour of D Maryland, the autograph signings, the happy hours, and here we are, hundred games into the season. Yeah, wow. I think I can believe it. Um, you know, I sit here every day with Glenn, and we talk about every single game. So, yeah. uh, so you know, only a hundred is what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad it. I'm glad it feels that way for for a lot of people. You know that. You know that's yeah. just how fun this season's been. Is that there's something every single night that help me out? Are makes we it feel taking re- a break before Dubrov? Uh, I think we can just go right up into. We'll uh, go into yeah, we'll Dubrov and Dubrof. take a break. Coming out of Dubrov. Yes, I will yes. note that. Um, the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new 
on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer. And I happen to own not a uh, not a Tacoma, but I happen to own a Toyota. Very happy with my third Prius. Ah, very very good. And I have a t- Toyota as well, and I'm pretty happy with it as well. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Check a press box is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from seven legal online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books, go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. Uh, Ken Zalis will be in my seat. Well, it's actually Glenn's seat uh, tomorrow and Thursday. And I will be back as I am usually a regular on Fridays. I will be back on Friday to host a Friday's show and, um, Looking forward to Glenn being back next week, and uh, we'll see. I'm, uh, a programming note, though, on August the 4th, that's a Friday, I will not be in with Glenn Clark uh, because I'll be at the Orioles' luncheon, the 1983 40th anniversary luncheon. Joining us now is one of the men who is a staple in your Orioles' coverage. He is the uh, mind and the hands behind BaltimoreBaseball.com, and he still does the jersey of the day every day on BaltimoreBaseball.com. He is Rich Dubroff. Rich, how are you? I'm great, Stan. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. First of all, are you doing jersey tonight up in Philly? I, I did a jersey of the game. I did a jersey of the game yesterday. I, I do them every, every game at home, right. and then – you know, I, I, on the road, I don't always have, uh, I don't have, a, I always have the time, and there aren't always, you know, a lot of Orioles fans around. But I found Brooke Fordyce. Wow, that's night, a great. What number did he wear? He he wore number twenty six. So I found a woman wearing a Brooke Fordyce jersey. Did you converse so I was with happy her? With that, did you converse with her at all as to where she got that? No, I I uh, I leave that to you, Stan. Okay. I, my my supposition <laughs> is that she had an affair with Brooke Fordyce. Now I don't know that for a fact, but that's my supposition. Stan, let's uh, Stan, let, let's let, let's talk baseball. All right. <laughs> hey, hey, Rich, we're a hundred games in to the season. What has surprised you most about this Baltimore Orioles team? That they're as good as they are. You know, I thought that they would be good. I thought that they would be a playoff team. I thought that they could win. You know, close to ninety games. They're better than you know. They're they're better than that. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised that their competition isn't as good as yeah. I thought it would be. That's you know, going into the season, I thought that the Toronto Blue Jays would be the American League World Series team. That's uh, that, that's an interesting and, way to put it. Yeah, go ahead. And, and the Yankees. Um, the, and the Yankees, you know, with all, you know, with all the, the money they've spent on pitching, I, I thought the Yankees would be better. The Red Sox, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And I thought when the, you know, I, I thought that the, the Rays were going to be hard to catch. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, you know the Orioles now you know have the lead, have the lead and you know it's going to be an interesting sixty. It's going to be an interesting. You know we're at you know precisely hundred games. It's going to be an interesting sixty-two games. So let me ask up. you: you're, you're saying the biggest surprise is that they're that good. What makes them so good? What is the secret sauce this team has, Rich? Well, there are a couple. There are a couple of things. Is the starting pitching? The starting pitching has been good enough. It hasn't been spectacular. It's been good enough to get them to an excellent an excellent bullpen. You know, if if you have seven good in, if you have seven good innings by a pitcher, and you get uh, you know you get to eight and nine, and you have Yenier Cano and Felix Batista, that's a pretty good recipe. Of course, like as you saw last night, they couldn't. You know they can't pitch every they can't pitch every game, uh, and then they had a little trouble there uh, in the you know in the eighth yep. inning. But uh, the other the other thing about them that that's really uh, that you probably couldn't have predicted going into the season is how they've been able to take advantage of the new rules. You know they have a they have a young and athletic team, mm-hmm. and the young and athletic teams are doing well with these, uh, you know, with the, with the kind of baseball that we're seeing with the no shifts where, where guys can show off, um, you know, can show off their, um, their athleticism and not just, you know, you don't have the roof narrow doors who are just planted in, in short right field with no, athlete, you know, with no athleticism. Uh, and everybody has to play under these rules and teams like the Orioles, young teams, are able to um, are able to take advantage. Look at um, look at Cincinnati. Nobody thought that Cincinnati was going to be a uh, you know a contending team right. this year, but they have all these young, athletic players, and they've been able to uh, you know they've been able to adapt to this new world. That's that's interesting. Get, get, flashing into last night's game, tell me what happened on the Hicks play where he got hurt. We'll talk about his injury in a second. I'm hearing media reports that the Phillies didn't have, didn't, didn't challenge in time. The more I watch the play, I think simply that I would say that he didn't drop the ball, that he held it long enough to be an out. He didn't hold the, he didn't hold the ball. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I saw, and I saw enough replays of it. That I was pretty, con- I'm, I was pretty confident he didn't. Hold- I was pretty confident that he didn't hold the ball. Um, but you know, they, they didn't challenge. You know, they didn't. They so, didn't. So they didn't why challenge wouldn't they have challenged time. it under the I, under I don't what know. the media reports? I, I don't. Are- okay. Uh, to me, I, I don't know. I don't know how long you're supposed to hold it, but he flipped it, he turned it, and then it came out. I thought he held it long enough. That's what I thought. Well, I, I well watching it, I didn't. But okay. you know, they, um, they, what's the story on his injury? I know Brandon Hyde in the post game interview last night said that uh, it's something they'll check out. Uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, do you think he's injured or he's just banged up? I don't know. Um, I mean, he the way I well, the way he left the way he he was. Um, the the way he was conducting himself afterwards, it certainly looked like it was not a uh, you know not a minor injury. Right. But you know when they said he left with a he left with a cramp, and then afterward 
afterwards Hyde said might be a cramp, might be a spra- might be a sprain. Uh, well, I, I don't know. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what, what it's going to be, but, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have to get another pl- they'll have to get another player. Let's if, say, uh, let's say hypothetically it is an IL situation and he joins Mullins on the IL and for starters, yeah. it's a 10 day IL. Do they simply bring up Ryan McKenna or do they gulp and say, let's take a peek at Heston Kerstad? No, well, Heston Kirst, that's not a center fielder. They need a center fielder. So, um, well, Colton, you know, I, I, Colton, I mean, Colton but, can play center Colton, right? But they, but they need, they need another out. They need another outfielder. You know, yes, Hayes can play. Hayes can play center field, right? But I, I would guess Ryan McKenna because I think they, for the short term, I and I, I think that that's one of the things. You know, even if Hicks is fine, I thought beforehand. I think. But that's one of the things that they might look to do between now and 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 next week is maybe add another, um, you know, maybe add another uh, veteran outfielder right. who's a left-handed hitter because, um, you know, Mullins is apparently not going to be back for a while. Okay, uh, Grant DeVivo is in studio with us today. He's got a question for you, Rich. Hey, Rich. Grant DeViva here, Glenn Clark Radio intern. Um, we're just, we were discussing this uh, not not long before we uh, brought you on air. If you, if you don't think Kerstad's ready or we simply don't want to bring up McKenna at the moment, uh, what about the small move of maybe selecting a, a contract of some, the likes of uh, Daz Cameron maybe for a short amount of time until Hicks or Ann Mullins is ready? Well, wha- uh, well Daz, Cameron, Daz, Daz Cameron's a right-handed hitter, and... Uh, I would think I would think McKenna would be the uh, would be the choice over him because of his superior you know his superior defense, his ability to be a a pinch run a pinch runner and to play the other positions. So I would think that would not be you know that would not be a consideration because when they when Mullins was hurt the first time, Grant uh, the, the Orioles you know could have uh, you know could have uh, selected uh, Das Cameron, but also in order to do that, they'd have to clear a spot on the four. They'd have to clear a spot on the forty-man roster. True. And right now, I think that there are um, not that many spot. There are not that many spots um, available uh, where you know you don't you know where you might lose a where you might lose a player over uh, over Cameron. So I, I would think that that would be. Uh, that that would be unlikely. I mean, the other thing they could do, uh, and he, he he's just really started playing again, is um, is bring up Kyle Stowers, you know, because Stowers is a left-handed, you know, a left-handed hitter. But I would I would say McKenna one and Stowers two would be my uh, moves that I would I would look at. Where do you think uh, Kerstat? falls in terms of what would it take for him to get would he be a September potential September call up and he's hitting 344 yes. at uh triple a now yes I, I he could be up before then yeah um you know but I think again they'd have to you know they, they'd have to they'd have to make a, they'd have to make a move but he you know he hasn't been a triple a you know he hasn't been a triple a all that long but I think he's he's right there it would not shock me if he were up, um, you know, if he were up very, if he were up very quickly, but I think that, 
maybe they'll they'll wait a little bit uh, a little bit for that. Rich, um, we've got the trade trade deadline looming. Uh, aside from the preposterous notion that the Orioles are seriously checking in on Shohei Otani, what would you prioritize if you were Mike Elias? And 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 I add, what do you think he is prioritizing right now? Well, I'll just go with what I think he's prioritizing because I think that's I think that they're looking for additional relievers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know you gotta you have to guard against uh, Batista and Cano being overworked. Yep. They've been you know they've they've pitched an awful lot, so some fresh arms would be, you know, some fresh arms would be good. They went out and they got uh, Fujinama last week. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's one. And I think that they, you know, they may get one or two, uh, you know, one or one or two others. Uh, you know, I don't, I know one name that a lot of people have been throwing out has been, has been Scott Barlow from the Kansas yeah. City, you know, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, but, I mean, guys are sort of on that, uh, you know, on that level. Uh, I mean, they, they did a great job in spring training getting Danny Coulomb yep. for basically nothing. Uh, so if they can, and, and he stayed the whole season, but they, they need other guys to to be able to work, you know, the sixth and seventh inning if they only get, you know, five innings from uh, pitchers. And I know everybody's talking about, well, them getting another, you know, getting another starter, but I don't know if they if they're going to pay the price to uh, to get another starter because I think that you know they do have a number of really good prospects, but what they don't have is what a lot of teams want. They don't have young pitching. No, no. you know the, a lot of young pitchers that they can put in uh, you know these packages because they're. You know, other than like the the draft um, last week, uh, the draft earlier this month, where they drafted a lot of pitchers, well, they you know they haven't developed a lot of pitchers on their own, and so many of these guys who are their better pitchers in the minor leagues are guys they got in trades. So I don't know that they want to be using them to uh, to try and you know to try and get you know to try and get others. So. Yes, they have a lot of infielders, a lot of infielders and a lot of outfielders, and maybe teams will be interested in that. But I think that, you know, that they don't have the kind of package that uh, that it will take to, to get, you know, a top-shelf starter. But I, I, look at, um, I look at what Michael Elias did in the offseason as sort of a guide to what he might go for. You know, well, they added Kyle Gibson, who wasn't a top shelf starter, but who's who's certainly been uh, good, and and Adam Frazier, who's been, you know, not a not a top shelf infielder, but has certainly um, been helpful. That sort of kind of those moves, uh, I, I think that they may make, you know, three or four smallish moves uh, to to uh, you know to, to to try and help in the next, you know, in the next week. And if there's another injury too, they may have to, um, you know, they may have to make a move. So, yeah, I I expect them to be active, but not, uh, not getting, uh, you know, top shelf kind of players. Yeah. 
There's two pitchers I like on Kansas City, and Barlow's one of them. The other I got to go on record is Carlos Hernandez, who I think would make a phenomenal relief pitcher. That's a pickup along the lines of Fujinami, but I think he's got a, a more – I think he's more I, – I think Fujinami is kind of a risk at this point in time. But I want to ask you about another name because MLB Trade Rumors today is saying an undisclosed American League team is very interested in Steven Matz of the Cardinals. Do you think he would fit what Mike Elias is looking to do? Well, sure. I mean, I, I think that almost any pitcher mm-hmm. is able to, you know, I, I would. I think Elias is probably looking at a million uh, different, uh, you know, a million different players. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, I would, you know, yes, I think it would be uh, unlikely that they went out and got Otani. Um, but uh, I, I think that the, that, that he's looking, you know, he's looking everywhere, but I don't think that they're going to be, you know, they're going to be headline uh, kind of, uh, kind of moves. I think now, Stan, I mean, it would be, it would be uh, a huge disappointment for them if they didn't make the postseason yeah. from where they are. Yeah. So I think now what you're doing is looking for, you know, looking for a pitcher for those September games and and you know those those October games when starters often go only five innings. So you can and then then you know in those the way the postseason schedule is there are off that, you know, there are off days and you, you just kind of load up that, you know, you kind of load up the bullpen. And I think that's, uh, th- that's what you're going to see here. Rich, before we leave, I got two more topics real quick. Tell sure. our, tell our listeners a little bit about what Peter Schmuck does with BaltimoreBaseball.com. Well, that's, that, that's something that I am just so delighted to talk about, Stan. And thank you for asking. You know, Peter Schmuck, who is, uh, as as our uh, as your listeners know, is one of the great sports writers of our time, and uh, perhaps the greatest, you know, one of the greatest columnists uh, that Maryland has ever seen. And to have him join our, uh, you know our site has been just a, a personal honor and privilege to, to have Peter working, uh, working on the site. And, you know, we have him, you know, occasionally uh, adding his, uh, his insights about the, uh, about the club. And that's wonderful. Does he have sort of a schedule though? Is he writing four times a month? He's on, five schmuck, he's on, he's on the schmuck schedule. He's on the uh, schmuck schedule. <laughs> he's on the schmuck schedule. All right. Uh, I, I think it's been a great, great, not, not taking anything away from Rich Stubroff, but no, it's no, been a great I don't addition. take anything away. I, I couldn't, uh, I, if I could write as, if I could write as, uh, as well on my best day, I don't write as well as Peter Schmuck on his worst day. That's, so that doesn't take anything. That doesn't take anything away from one of the great writers of all time. All right. But you know, I'm fond of you, and I'm a very appreciative of what you've done with your site and what you've done over the last ten or twelve years covering this team. It's just been, it's been a real solid addition to the uh, fraternity uh, in this town. Rich, before I let you go, um, tell me about Ryan Mountcastle's season. 
and what you see on the horizon for Ryan Mountcastle? Yeah, that's that's a tough, that's a, that is a tough one. Ryan Mountcastle is up for arbitration this year, and this is going to be a very interesting. The Orioles are going to have, and we can talk about this a lot right as the season ends, because they're going to have a lot of interesting decisions to make about a number of a number of players, and this is a very important couple of months for Ryan Mountcastle's uh, for Ryan Mountcastle's future because he's been you know he's been hurt he's been he's been disappointing and I, I don't like to bring myself into reporting mm-hmm. and I'm very very personally fond of Ryan. He and, seems like you know, all, I've never seems... had Tommy John. I've never had Tommy John surgery. Right. I, I've never had an ACL, but I've had vertigo, and I know how debilitating. I know how debilitating vertigo uh, can be, and I have great empathy for Ryan. You know, for Ryan Mountcastle, but it's going to be an important couple of a couple of months for him. Yeah. Well, maybe it started out last night. He hit a monstrous home run last night, which uh, yes, he which did. is so frustrating about him. Rich, I got to ask you one last question, and I promise I'll let you off. Uh, you've watched Mike Elias. I'm not asking whether you like him. Is he warm and fuzzy? Your opinion of the job he has done here in Baltimore? Well, he's done a, a good job. He's not. No, he's not. <clears throat> no, he's not warm and fuzzy. Yep. You know, he's not a Mike Elias is not a, a warm and fuzzy type, and I don't know him much better than I knew him five years ago. Mm-hmm. But he has done. He has done an excellent job at. Um, putting the team together. It was a very frustrating three, you know, three years or so uh, for fans watching this team. And, you know, I was thinking about it. Well, if, if you know, the, he, he did something here that, you know, a general manager in New York or Los Angeles couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't put together, you couldn't ask people to be patient in New York or Los Angeles for, you know, for three years while you accumulate a draft choice. And also he got, he was fortunate because now it might not be so easy because you have a draft lottery, right? You know, and the Orioles got to draft number one twice. One of them wasn't his doing. He inherited, yep. you know, the Rutschman pick, uh, he, he inherited. Um, but you can't, but because of the draft lottery, you, you're not assured the team with the worst record isn't assured of getting, the, uh, the the top pick, but I, I think he has done um, he has done an excellent job uh, solidifying you know solidifying the team and, and taking some players who they inherited like Mullins and you know Mullins and Hayes and and Santander uh, and John Means and uh, you know fi- and finding ways that they can uh, uh, finding ways that they can improve. And and he has delivered on you know his so-called elite uh, you know elite talent pipeline because that's what they done. He's drafted, he's you know he's draft he's drafted well. And as someone I know, someone who doesn't really like him, who said to me, he's a very good scout. Yeah, you know, and that's what he is. I mean, he is a he is an excellent scout of talent. He's Rich Dubroff. He is the uh, chief lead editorial. 
person at BaltimoreBaseball.com, a terrific site. If you're an Orioles fan, you should check it out at least once a day, like Immaculate Grid. All right, Rich, thank you so much. Uh, I won't see you tonight, but look for look for a guy waving from the stands at you tonight, okay? All right. Okay. Thank you very much, Stan. It's always a pleasure talking with All you. All right. Take care. He's Rich Duroff, BaltimoreBaseball.com. Uh, I have changed up the format for my weekly shows. Now every Monday at 4 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Accordingly, we've moved, we've made an editorial decision without telling Jen Nelson that next week we will be doing Tuesday at 4 o'clock, our Zoom, which will time, which, which will fit in with the end of the trade deadline at 4 p.m. on August the 1st. Uh, this Thursday night, actually, I take it back, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, I'm making all kinds of changes. Is, is Jen going to be okay with this? That, she's going to have to be because okay. we, we, we had some scheduling conflicts. Tomorrow night at 7 p.m., Rob Ambrose, Ooh. the former head coach of Towson football for many, many moons, will join us to talk about this new and exciting chapter in his life uh, and what he's doing. Uh, we'll talk to Rob Ambrose tomorrow night. Uh, so join Stan, Ross, and Luke this and every Monday night, except next week when it's Tuesday night at 4 o'clock. All right. We'll take a time out when we get back. We'll chat a little more about the Orioles season, what's going on in baseball, and we'll uh, get prepped for Bo Smolka, who's going to join us in about 25 minutes. All right? All right. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at A.J. Michaels. That's AJMichaels.com. 
The latest edition of Pressbox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. It's not Glenn, it's Stan today. Glenn is on vacation what do you think he's doing right now? Right now, I'm sure he's uh, on the beach. I, he's probably complaining about the sand or something. Yeah, and, and, he's uh, probably you know, making sandcastles. Really unhappy. With his sons. You know. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I'm sure he's enjoying that part, being with his sons. But yeah. being in the sand, I bet he's he's a he's a he'd probably. You rather think be he had a good somewhere. time at the Counting Crows concert? Uh, uh, I think night? so. He, I mean, he was sharing was it Friday night. I think it was Friday, Friday or Saturday. Yeah. yeah, and he was sharing plenty of videos, so it looked like he had a great time. All right, good, good, good. Um, you said we've got a yeah Tim uh, Tim on Facebook yeah Tim on Facebook uh, chimes in here he uh, had a question about Tyler Wells and kind of just the overall uh, you know uh, arc of the pitching staff Tyler Wells is over his innings pitched last year so wouldn't a starter acquisition be a higher priority as we approach the trade deadline here uh it's a it's a very good question uh and if you remember. I don't remember exactly when you started. Uh, you've been here like over a Me? year now, haven't you? Yeah, I started last uh, the, the end of May last yeah. year. Yeah, I I have all the time been a Tyler Wells is a bullpen arm, but I've kept quiet on it because his first how many starts has he had so far? Like fifteen, sixteen? Wells? Yeah, uh, this season. Uh, I can tell you in one second there, Stan, yeah. if you. Sit tight for me. Twenty. What, what year I, is this? I've got. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Nineteen starts in twenty games. Nineteen starts. Right. He see pitched in relief that that That's outing. Right, yeah. uh, that Bradish uh, got, got hurt. Got hurt. Mm. Uh, he's for for seventeen of those starts. You really couldn't have asked for a better pitcher. The last two outings have me believing that 
the the fear I had about Tyler Wells wasn't that he wasn't capable of giving you good games as a starter, but that he would last a season better being that setup guy. And keep in mind, at the time I mentioned this, we didn't know – we had no idea Yenny or Cano was going to – right be a breakout star who suddenly by the way isn't quite as breakout as he was you know he's come back to earth a little bit um and partly maybe because he's fatigued a little right yeah but i think tyler wells again i get back to the point i know it sounds like stan what pitcher don't you think should be in the that's actually about what i was exactly gonna say yeah about to say Yeah. yeah so anyway tyler wells I'm dubious about what he's going to offer this team the rest of this season. Um, you know, I I think he'll be okay. I don't think he'll dominate the way he did much. And remember, domination for him was he still gave up a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. How many home runs has he given up? Uh, too many. Um, I mean, it over feels 20? like 20. Yeah, it's over 20 for sure. Um, sorry, I, I had his stats up and then. Then I clicked away. His home runs allowed this season, uh, 23. 23 home runs in just about 20 in twenty appearances. Right. Which is so, a lot for yeah. his yeah. innings pitch. Yeah. All right. Somehow he's still got a .9 whip. Yeah. So, well, anyway. The only hits, of, yeah, the only hits he gives up are And he's only walked home guys. He's got too. a lot of uh, interesting decisions to make. And, uh, you know, as, as Rich alluded to, they've got an interesting decision on Ryan Mountcastle. If I were a betting man right now and had $1 to bet on the Mountcastle outcome, I think I'd bet about 97 cents that he is not a Baltimore Oriole next 97 year. 97 cents, wow. Yeah. So that means you're very bullish. Yeah. Uh, that he's not going to be an Oriole. Yeah. Listen, but I'm in agreement. I don't know him quite as well as Rich does because I'm not in the locker room every day and I'm not talking to players that much. Uh, I Every time I've asked him a question, he's answered it thoughtfully. Uh, by all intents and purposes, he's very popular with his teammates. It was, and he can hit the crap out of yeah. the ball when he makes contact. It was really nice to see his home run. I mean, he came in yeah, a big I was spot, happy gave for him, him a lead, yep. and took yeah. a change of straightaway center. I believe yeah. it was his yeah. first home run since May twenty fourth. Yeah, right. His it first major league baseball home run. Yeah, so, right. um, so that was really nice to see. Uh, I mean, again, it's yeah, it's not like we're still very very wary about you know whether he is like all the way back and even if he is all the way back is that really the kind of hitter that you still want a guy that's going to chase a lot of pitches after we were just praising you know, up and down this night, lineup by the way his first three at bats he swung he swung at the first pitch and the third one was the home run mm. he's yeah. he's not a discerning hitter he's not the guy he does not fit into their so, so what it, this team's done all what season? What this team wants to do with their with the batting approach? Yeah, he's really goes up there and he's he's ready to hack right away. Yeah. So with that being said, I think I might I think my I might make my bet ninety eight cents that he won't be an Oriole. Okay. Yeah. Grant, you want to <laughs> raise that another penny? Yeah, I I've been thinking the same thing. Just his his plate approach is a lot different than um what we what they're, they're trying to build right now that patience and a lot, a lot of free swing and his ops is, is going down i mean it's it's gotten back up a little bit it's over seven now but again not the promising numbers like i saw like like 2021 when he absolutely tore everybody upset the orioles rookie home run record but i mean my, my theory is he'll, he'll be replaced by kobe mayo at first base one day 
or in the or DH spot. Kirsten right. Or Santander. I think his time here, uh, and, and I really hate to, to say it and even see it because I've been following Mounties since the Shorebirds, the yeah. Keys. I've followed this guy's whole career practically, and I really hate to say it, but his time's ticking because of those numbers dropping off, his struggles with plate discipline. Um, I, I think his time's ticking, unfortunately, and I've been thinking this for a while now. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he'll be an Oriole. I, per, part of me thought he might get shipped at the deadline, but part of me is just like, yeah, next year his chances of being here still are slim, and maybe he just needs a change of scenery. He can still produce somewhere else, but I think it's not going to be here, unfortunately. Yeah. I, again, I hate to say it, but yeah, I got, you're I got, in I got, agreement. I, got, I, I am, I am in agreement with that, unfortunately, because he is a good, he's a he was a he was Gentleman. a very big bright spot for the Orioles yeah. during yeah. those during those really ugly times during yeah. 2020 and 2021. And he's a gentleman too. I've mm-hmm. talked to him before too. Yeah, really nice yeah, guy. He's a good guy. Good. Good kid. Wish but, him nothing. Hope he makes a fortune yeah. for the Oakland A's as they move to Las Vegas. I think he'd be a big star in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. yeah the guy that hits the ball 450 feet every time he makes yep. contact, yeah, that would yep. be a big star in Vegas. Yep. But Tim's question does still remain. So should a starter be higher priority at the deadline or not? I think he needs to do, as I wrote this week mm-hmm. in my column uh, that went along with my uh, power rankings, I think uh, – I was heavy on bullpen help. Uh, I'm not thrilled with the Fujinami pickup because of my concerns about his ability to adapt to pitching in a pennant race when games mean things. I don't think that Brian's going to uh, Brandon's going to be able to use him in the seventh and eighth innings. I think he's more a guy when your starter. Yeah, I mean, he, remember he's a converted starter, so mm-hmm. the idea of him pitching an inning in two-thirds or two-and-a-third might not hold the fort totally, but he can he can eat a couple innings at a time. I think he'd be much more well-suited for that role than a late-leverage guy right now. But I think Mike Elias needs to do both. I think he needs to add at least one more reliever. My choice is Carlos Hernandez. Like, if you came to me and said... Barlow or Hernandez? No, uh, Hernandez and and Steven Matz. That would be kind of where I'd see this team being. And if it was Barlow and Steven Matz, I wouldn't cry either. Gotcha. I think the, those two guys would be a nice a nice fit for this team. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Bo Smolka to join us in just a bit. Questioning uh, whether where the Orioles go from here. Well, they've got the game tonight at 640. Kyle Gibson versus Tejon Walker uh, at Citizens Bank Ballpark. Who's pitching tomorrow? Is it Bradish against uh, Ranger Suarez? I believe so, That's yes. That's at 6 o'clock. And then Thursday Correct, is an Bradish. off day. What's that? Correct, it's Bradish. Yeah. Uh, Thursday is an off day. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the birds come back to Baltimore for a brief three-game series against New the York. New York Yankees. What kind of crowds do you think we'll have for the Yankees series? Mobbed. It's oh, yeah, mobbed. Grant, you, you, it's going to be mobbed. Sellouts every night? I don't know about sellout, but it's going to be darn close. I wish I could go. 120,000 people in the three games? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think a lot and of And how about be... the following week, the return of Buck Showalter for a three-game oh, weekend yeah. series? Uh. I think the Orioles could draw – Close to a quarter of a million people between the two Those New two York series. series. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess they, in theory, they should be. I think uh, even that Mets series might even be well, better just Eddie, for Orioles fans. It's yeah, Eddie, yeah, Murray, it's Eddie Murray bobblehead night and is it's Saturday. 1983. That is the, the that's the weekend that they're doing the 83 yeah. uh, celebration. I bought a ticket to the luncheon. I'm going to the 83 wow. reunion luncheon. I'm looking forward to seeing the guys. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I got a ticket. I'm going to go get the bobblehead, be there. I, I, I didn't even think about Buck being there. We get to welcome Buck home. Yeah. What a run that was. Yep. Hopefully he makes it another week. Yeah. It's uh, a good point. It's a good point. I, you know, it's a, it's an interesting uh, subject to ponder yeah. whether I, I, I Stephen you, Cohn yeah. keeps him or says. A lot of times, a rich guy like Stephen Cohn, they say, "Look, I know, I know all about how good he's supposed to be, but do I really want to pay a guy five million dollars to manage a team that's, you know." Can't even be 500. I personally don't even think it's Buck's fault. I mean, I think Buck presses the right buttons. He knows how to develop a mature team. And I just think that Mets team has a lot of individuals playing. I didn't say – notice I didn't say there's a team playing. It's it's a bunch of individuals playing. And the, the teams like them, the Padres, that's why they don't win. I tell people this all the time. The Orioles are a team. They care about the team. They play for the team. You got all these guys getting mega contracts, and I don't know what sponsorships they have, like Lindor, Alonzo, Alonzo, you know, the home run yeah, derby. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm glad Manny got his big contract, but it was very interesting to yeah. watch what the focus was when training camp started. The first day he showed up wasn't about, hey, we're trying to get to the World Series. You know, we, we missed out on just going to the World Series. We're, we're more, com- you know, committed this year. It was all about his contract. You know, individuals. Yeah, that's yeah. why they don't win, and it's not Buck's fault. Yeah, you you got to play for the team. Yeah, uh, the Orioles have that three-game series against the Yankees. Then they go to Toronto for four Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, which is a huge series for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the Orioles. You start looking at it as an opportunity for the Orioles to just kind of completely bury them. Really, I mean, like they, they. It is, it is kind of do or die time for really everyone in the AL East. I guess that is that not the Rays or the Orioles. Like they, at just because of that's how tough the division is. Is that if they, they I mean, they're the, the Blue Jays are six and a half back, Red Sox, Yankees nine back. So they're not. I mean, the, the division is. Obviously, it's not, it's a not long one time. yet, but yeah. it's but they've got a hell of a shot. They've mm-hmm. got a hell of a shot because Tampa Toronto holds the last wild card it, spot right it now. It looks it it looks like the the Tampa Bay Rays fate is going to lie on what their general manager does in, in the next, next five days, yeah. six days. Um, I think a lot of these teams are frozen by how the tables have turned with the Orioles. Yeah, so they're they're like, what's going on here? Toronto last night, by the way, Griff, you know I live and die by my fantasy team. Oh, uh, I know. Route 66. So last night, uh, Matt Chapman hits a home run in the top of the eighth inning, I believe it was, to give the Blue Jays. Yimmy Garcia had come in and pitched the bottom of the seventh. I knew he would not come. I knew for a fact he wouldn't come out in the eighth, right? Chapman hits a home run, puts him up. Schneider has him come out, retire the first batter, then brings in Trevor Richard. The first pitch Richard throws is a home run. Max Muncy, yeah. Max Muncy to tie the game. Why he wouldn't have brought a left-hander in, I don't know if he has a left-hander in his bullpen. Tim Meza. Meza, that's right. 
Mesa may have been. Yeah, he may be pitched over the weekend. I'm yeah, sure he what, pitched I'm quite sure a bit over the weekend. Yeah. But anyway, Trevor Richard, I'm sure, has reverse splits that he's better against left-handed pitching. First pitch, they tied it, but then they won it in the ninth inning. The 11th inning. 11th inning. 11th Dalton inning. Varsho surprisingly got two hits last night. Yeah. He's blue- on my fantasy team as of about a <laughs> Despite week Despite being on Stan's fantasy yeah. team, he got yeah. two hits last yeah. night. Yeah. The Blue Jays do have another lefty now. They just got Genesis Cabrera, but I don't even know if he was active he pitched for the last game. Night. He oh, did. He pitched, yeah. last night. He pitched in the right. sixth inning. He pitched prior to Garcia, pitched the sixth inning, I think. Anyway, it was a big win for the uh, Blue Jays last night, and those two teams will go at it again, I believe, tonight, the Dodgers and the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Bo Smolka all set to join us in just a couple minutes, but the Orioles have the three-game series against the Yankees at home, go to Toronto for four, then come home for six games. Buy your tickets now for these games. New York Mets on Friday, the New York Mets on Saturday, the New York Mets on Sunday, off day Monday, August the 7th, it looks like, and then three at home against the Houston Astros. So the next nine games the Orioles have are against the New York Yankees, the New York Mets, and the Houston Astros. Yeah, nothing uh, nothing gets easier for them. Uh, it really doesn't seem like the rest of the year. They like every now and then they'll have a they'll have a series against a sub five hundred team, but the bulk of the way it seems like they're playing teams that are competing. And you and I talked about this yesterday, Griffin. It strikes me as very odd. It doesn't strike me that Rob Manfred said, screw the Orioles. I'm not into a conspiracy theory. But I don't recall a team in a long time making two West Coast trips within 20 days of one another. They they play – I don't have my reading glasses – on August – that is the 11th. The 11th. They go to Seattle, and they have to fly out there after was is the yeah, is after the a Thursday 12... game an afternoon game? Yes, it is. 12.30 okay. start. So they fly out to Seattle for three. They then go to San Diego for three. Then complete that series against Oakland on that trip with three games in Oakland. They come home with three against Toronto, three against Colorado, three against Chicago. Then Labor Day – Labor Day weekend, the Orioles are back out in Arizona uh, on the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of September. They play the Angels in Anaheim, the 4th, 5th, and 6th. Yeah, and then that's the bizarre part is when they come home from Anaheim, they don't they get go, to come home. They go, they go to Boston. Yeah. So Very that is, it is strange tough. series. It so. is tough. It's uh, But, you know, the, what the Orioles have shown us all season is that they are resilient, and, uh, you know, this doesn't seem like something that should sink them or really – even have an effect. All right. Um, I read that. I will tell you that you can go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at pressboxonline.com slash offers. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet. See this and other great hey, sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com. I'm good, I'm good. You also uh, come on with us. excited uh, to be joined momentarily by our very fine beat writer that covers the Baltimore Ravens like nobody's business. 
and that is Bo Smolka. Bo, how are you? How has your summer gone? Well, you know what, Stan, I'm good, and I'm, I'm, you know, as a longtime Orioles fan, this is a very, very fun summer. Have you made it out to the park a couple times? I have. We're th- we have a 13 game plan, my family, so we get out. I've been to probably eight or nine games this year. You having fun out at the ballpark? We are, and my kids are into it, which is fun. My daughter's 16 now, and she's funny when she was about four or five right they made the playoffs and we're like wow that, this is kind of fun and then my my poor son who was like 12 and had been through the desert before they were ever any good but right. yeah they're, they're really into it which is fun all right uh are the ravens going to be as good as the orioles this year i think they have a chance to be but i mean it's a well-built roster and i think there's a lot of valid optimism but, you know, with football, it's so interesting. It all comes down to who stays healthy. I mean, that's such a big part of it. It's a big part of it in every sport. But I think especially in football, and, we, and especially, quite frankly, at the quarterback position, because I think it, every, everything else could go well. But if Lamar Jackson gets hurt, this team is in trouble. And they haven't shown that they can consistently win without him. Um, but it's a roster that's well-built. And as I said, I think their optimism right now is, is, is valid. So I think they've built a good roster, and if they stay healthy, they're going to contend, but it is a tough, tough AFC. No question about it. Bo, one of the things I was talking, I think, to Gary Stein the other night about this, am I right that the Ravens have three separate West Coast opponents that they travel to plus the game in London? I, you know, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but that does sound right. And so, yeah, there's a lot of travel. They got a, they got a pretty easy travel set up a couple times lately, but there will be significant travel. And uh, I expect they will treat the London trip differently than they treated it last time since it went so badly. <laughs> you mean maybe not but, show, not even show up? <laughs> I, well, anything will be better than what happened last time. Let's face it; it can't, it can't possibly go any worse. Uh, but yeah, travel will be a factor when you, you know, every, the way the rotation works, you're going to face those West coast teams over time. Uh, you know, when it's your turn to face the NFC West or the AFC West, that's what happens. And so that's where they're at this year. I'm, I'm looking at the gauntlet. They've got the Steelers on October 8th. They then play the Titans at 9:30 AM our time on the 15th. So they don't have a bye week before that game. They go out to to London, and then they don't have the week off the next week. They're home on the 22nd against the Lions and then have to go out to Arizona. That's a tough stretch, uh, both opponent-wise and travel-wise, it seems like. I agree with that. And keep in mind, that Steelers game is, is the third of, what, five in the first part of the season against the AFC West uh, North, and I believe they're all on the road. So that's going to be a huge first six weeks of the season. I mean, uh, it's a strange setup that they have these AFC North Road games uh, right away. But, no, it's a tough stretch. And I know a lot of teams prefer to have the bye coming out of London. The Ravens don't have it. Um, And now John Harbaugh will tell you every time, you know, the schedule is what it is and we'll work around it. And every team can pick apart things about the schedule that they don't like and things that they do like. 
But I think this stretch right out of the gate, you know, yeah, they've a- got to be – it's going to the AFC North going to get some quick clarity, I think, with the way their Ravens schedule is set up. It's, they have a chance to really put themselves in a good position, or they have a chance to be really having to play catch up. Yeah. Uh, by the way, for the record, they do they do travel to London. They do travel to Arizona. They also travel out to L.A. to play the Chargers, and then come home against the Rams. Go to Jacksonville, and then the following week, Christmas Day at eight fifteen at night, oh, right. they, they play the Forty Niners. So that's a that's really right. tough Christmas night game. Tough gauntlet, tough gauntlet to schedule this year. Um, Bo, tell me about what's going on with uh, JP Dobbin. I mean, J.K. Dobbin. J.K. Dobbin. I'm sorry. Is, he's technically on the physic physically unable to perform list right now. But there clears there clearly seems to be a difference in between the J.K. Dobbins and the team. I mean, J.K. Dobbins is entering the last year of his contract. It's very clear he's made it clear that he would like to stay here on a long term deal. Running back position, we've seen it this summer. It's just a tough spot for running backs. The market's not being good to them right now. Uh, he he skipped OTAs. He opted to stay away, which is his choice right. he, you know it's optional he was here for the mandatory mini camp but he did not take part and that to hear john harbaugh uh describe it that was a surprise to john harbaugh he thought he would be taking part um dobbins i believe said there was something about his hamstring but i think there's some skepticism in the building how much that's really the case versus how much it's dobbins trying to you know just dissatisfaction leading him to not being on the field. But the bottom line is this. J.K. Dobbins is entering the final year of his contract, and he wants to get paid, and he's going to have to play to do that. I mean, that's just the way it is. So at some point, I think we'll see J.K. Dobbins back on the field healthy, and, I mean, they need a motivated J.K. Dobbins to be as good as they want to be, and J.K. Dobbins needs to produce in order to get paid. So – there's a posturing going on right now, I think, from J.K. Dobbins. But ultimately, he's going to have to perform if he wants to get paid. And so that's where they're at right now. I think there's frustration on both sides. Training camp begins tomorrow. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is not likely to be on the field because he's on the physically unable to perform list. And I think right now it's kind of anyone's guess when he'll actually get on the field. But it doesn't do him any good to sit out for an extended period of time. So the uncertainty uh, surrounding J.K. Dobbins, is that what prompted the club to sign veteran running back Melvin Gordon? I'm not sure it's so much that. As let's face it, both Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both coming off extensive injury histories. Yep. Yep. And so I think the team was in the market to add another running back anyway, uh, just another, another depth running back. I think that, that was always in the cards. I don't think they go into this season – expecting that J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards will be fully healthy for all 17 games. Given the recent history, I think that's a fair expectation. So I think they were in the market for another running back anyway, and I know they have Keaton Mitchell, uh, undrafted rookie from East Carolina in town. They still have Justice Hill. They've got a few other guys. But I I think Gordon or some running back was going to be signed regardless. We're talking with Bo Smolka. He covers the Ravens for us at PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Tell us what you know about Todd Munkin. 
I mean, we've seen what he did with, uh, in the NFL, right? He had the Browns when he was with the Browns. Now uh, he was not given complete control over calling that offense. We saw what he did at the University of Georgia. What the Ravens have said they really like about Todd Munkin is he's very adaptable to the talent that he has. And so when you look at what he did with Tampa Bay when he was there or what he did with Cleveland, it may look a lot like what they do here, but it may be different because he doesn't have certain players that he had there or vice versa. I don't think they will. You know, he has Lamar Jackson, and I think he will get he will find ways to have Lamar Jackson involved as a runner because there's no quarterback in the history of the game that can do what Lamar Jackson can do. Having said that, they've also got right now the better a better passing offense than they've probably ever had, for, certainly for Lamar Jackson in terms of having Odell Beckham and having Rashad Bateman and having Nelson Aguilar and Zay Flowers, and they've got five number one draft picks plus Mark Andrews. Um, and so it's a, it should be a more expansive passing offense, and I think that will be an emphasis that Munkin goes with. Munkin has talked about, one, about speed and spreading the field and using all the space. So this is not going to be a three yards and a cloud of dust offense. I think we'll see a lot less of Patrick Ricard. I think that's an interesting guy to watch how his role evolves in this offense. And the other thing is I think you'll see the, what you do notice just at the OTAs and the minicamp watching them, Munkin is very big on tempo. He wants things fast. He wants things in rhythm. He wants to go, 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 go. I'm not saying it'll be hurry up all the time, but there's going to be, I think, a significant change in the tempo. But I remember when we talked and when he got hired, Tom Monk had talked about um, spreading the field, using the space, and using the speed in that space. And so I think those are going to be what they look for. I think they see in Zay Flowers, their first-round wide receiver, a guy who can be really dangerous after the catch. And so I think you're going to see him used a lot in situations where he can try to take a short gain and turn into a big gain. We'll see what they get from Odell Beckham. I think they're hoping for the best. Again, he's, he hasn't played in almost a year and a half and, and is coming off an injury and he's getting older, but he still is going to catch the ball when you throw it to him. Where's his speed right now? That remains to be seen. But they'll, Bateman, Bateman's a big question because of his foot injury. He is starting on the physically unable to perform list as well. I think he'll be out of training camp for the first week or so. Um, and if it gets longer, I know fans are going to go, here we go again with a injured receiver. But I think the, 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 the ability to move the ball and to do what Munkin wants to do in terms of space and speed is there with the players they have. So that's all going to be in play, and I think he will not get away from opportunities for Lamar Jackson to run because, as I said, Lamar Jackson does that better than anybody has ever done it at the quarterback position. And Todd Munkin is smart about making sure he gets his guys in the best position to do what they do best. Uh, Bo, so, I mean, you just mentioned Rashad Bateman, and that was what I wanted to ask about. I mean, is there any reason that we should be worried that this will go longer than maybe the first week of training camp or so? I mean, look, as a wide receiver of the Ravens, everyone's going to worry. <laughs> That's what we do with wide receivers of the Ravens. Perriman, Marquise Brown, one after another. There's an injury, and then it looks like it's not a big deal, and then he's out for months. Um, Bateman, I mean, yeah, I think there's cause for concern. I think why why wouldn't there be at this point? But what I'm hearing is that you know he had a he was he was there around the building in the spring, and he's doing all the right things. But he had a little 
cortisone shot in his foot. It's still bothering him a little bit. They're trying to ease him back. And so the idea is he'll probably not participate for the first week, week and a half, two weeks, something like that. If it lingers on for after a couple weeks, yeah, I think there's, there's cause to concern. But let's face it, given the injury history of waiver and drive receivers, you know, the fans are always a short step away from panic, let's face it. <laughs> but I think there's, I think there's, there's going to be concern until he's back on the field and they can show that he can push off and he can do everything he wants to do with that foot. Uh, the team right now is less concerned because they think it is a, you know, a, a, they think he's come along and it's healing in the way they need it to heal. Now they have this shot and, so I think the optimism is there that it'll be a couple of weeks. But if it lingers on, there will be some nervous people in the building. Bo, uh, talk to me a little bit about the kind of season defensive coordinator Mike McDonald had in his first year as the D.C. for the Ravens. And do you think he's got the horses to really have a special defense, especially with a Jabo? being healthy at the outset yeah so the first let's face it the first that his first year as a as a defense coordinator there were growing pains right yep. i mean those first couple of games early in the year were were basically a disaster when they blew the huge leads and part of that was marlon humphrey was came out of the one game marcus peters was out they were leaning on rookie defensive backs against the dolphins in that complete meltdown kyle hamilton was just kind of getting himself together Everyone was learning McDonald. They didn't have Roquan Smith yet. So a, a lot of growing pains. The last half of the year, I thought that defense was looking really quite sharp. And frankly, Roquan Smith is, as, as Eric DaCosta calls him, he's a force multiplier in the middle of that defense. And I think he's right about that. Yep. Kyle Hamilton got much better as the year went on. Um, and he, he, really, he really was probably one of their better defensive players over the last eight or nine games. Coming into this year, it's a strong defense, and everyone now knows McDonald's system a little bit better. And you mentioned David DeJabo. David DeJabo, of course, is the guy that they got in the second round out of Michigan who played for McDonald at Michigan, edge rusher, very athletic guy who had torn his Achilles right before the, um, <clears throat> in his pro day before the draft. So they knew they weren't going to get much out of him last year. He played, I think, one late game, got a sack of Burrow in the final game of the season. But I can say this. In the spring workouts that I saw, he might have been the best defensive player on the field. He looked terrific. And so the goal, of course, is that he and Adafe Owe, who are actually the high school teammates together in New Jersey, uh, the goal is that those guys can be game wreckers on the edge. I know a lot of people were disappointed with Adafe Owe last year, yep. that he only had, I believe, two and a half sacks, and this is their first-round pick from a couple years ago. They expect him to be a bigger impact player. Now, they'll tell you that Adafe Owe – kind of was a factor in some of Justin Houston's sacks because he blew up the pocket and the quarterback ran right into Justin Houston. But the bottom line is they want Odafe Owe to be more disruptive and get more sacks. But between Odafe Owe and Ajabo, I think they have the potential to do some real damage on the edge. They're still, I in my mind, thin at that position because there's not a lot behind them and them than Tyus Bowser. And then at cornerback, I think there's still some questions. Of course, Marcus Peters is gone. They brought in Rocky Asin to replace him. There's questions who's going to be the slot cornerback. Kyle Hamilton played that a lot last year, and I thought did quite well matching up against tight ends in the slot. He will probably be 
drift back to a little more of a traditional safety this year with Chuck Clark on. But again, if they really like Kyle Hamilton in the slot, they'll do that again, and they could have Geno Stone or maybe Brandon Stevens as the other safety. Um, but they will, I believe, still have to sign. A, I think they'll still sign another veteran cornerback. I remember I hear back to what Eric DaCosta said to us this spring when he said not having enough good cornerbacks is a good way to get beat. And so they know that they the search for cornerback help never ends. But I will say if you were really, really established, flawless cornerback, you're not on the street right now looking for a job. So the but I do believe they will look for a veteran cornerback to add. But if you look at all three levels of this defense, they're very, they're very high on what they have up front in the defensive line. They're strong, they're young, and they're good, although it's also worth noting that several of those guys are in their final year of their contracts as well, like Matt Abike and Broderick Washington. But they feel very good about that defensive front. Linebacker group anchored by Roquan Smith, high, high potential with David Ajabo and Adafi Owe, and then the secondary with, between Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton in the back and Mark, Marlon Humphrey, it's a, it's a strong defense at all three levels. Roquan Smith is a force multiplier, and that defense is going to run through him, and I think they go into this season very encouraged by their defense. One last quick question because uh, we're up against it, but Tyler Linderbaum, assess his first season, and is he everything they felt he would be and can be? I think they're really pleased with him. I know a lot of people thought he was undersized, and it took him a little bit to go getting used to it to get going as well. But, yeah, he was very solid, and I think he's going to be everything they expected. I don't think they have any concerns about him at all. And, in fact, they got four offensive linemen I think they feel pretty good about. There's still that kind of wide-open competition at left guard, um, and that will play out over training camp. But, no, I think they're, I think they're very high on Linderbaum. All right. He's Bo Smolka. He's been covering the Ravens for PressBox for about six years now. Does a great job online and in the print edition. He'll have the cover story on Lamar Jackson coming up in mid-August. Bo, thank you very much for coming in today. All right, thanks. Take care, guys. All right, go O's. All right. The Dakota Toyota Tacoma comes in. Let me start that again. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We're going to take a break here, and then we're going to be joined by 1983 World Series MVP and Orioles Hall of Famer Rick Dempsey when we get back catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. 
Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one 800 Gambler. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to Easy Pass, pay by plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. Driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? We are back on the uh, show, the Glenn Clark Radio Show. Stan the Fan sitting in for Glenn Clark. Glenn will be back in studio on Monday uh, with another week of shows. Reminder, I'll be hosting Friday, this Friday, uh, tomorrow and Thursday will be hosted by Ken Zalis. So get your fantasy ears tuned to the uh, tuned to your computer or your phone, uh, because nobody knows fantasy world like like 
Kenzalis. All right. Are we ne- are we ready to be joined by uh, Rick Dempsey? All right. He's a, a longtime friend, and he's number one in the heart of Baltimore Orioles baseball fans. He is Rick Dempsey. Rick, how are you, my friend? Dan, good, man. How you doing? All right. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Hey, I, we had you on to talk about the 83 series, but I got in the opening of the show today. I started talking about how you won the World Series in 83 with the Orioles, and just five years later you won it in L.A. with the Dodgers. And then I started talking about Hershiser, uh, and that streak that he had, which was, what, 59 and a third innings, scoreless streak. How many of those innings did Rick Dempsey catch? Uh, half of them. Yep. <laughs> you divide it in half. I can't figure it That's out right a, now. <laughs> roughly about 30 innings, 28 and a half, two-thirds, yeah, was something like that. Six consecutive shutout, shutouts, Dan. And, what, was uh, that, what, was that, what was that like? Because you caught Palmer in his heyday, Flanagan, Dennis, McGregor, what was so what was so incredibly dominating about Oral Hershiser? He had the best two seam fastball I had ever caught. I mean, it just eclipsed anyone else that I, you know, I've caught sixteen guys that were Cy Young Award winners, and um, you know, it just there was no there was no comparison. That one pitch that Oral had, he had great command of his, uh, you know, Palmer had great command. All of them, Jim Codd had great command, you know, uh, Mel Stoudemire, all of these great pitchers that I caught had great command of the strike zone. But that one pitch set him apart that year from any of the pitchers I ever caught. 59 consecutive scoreless innings. And I could I remember once or twice in there telling the guy when he was behind in the count, well, uh, you're going to get the fastball now because I knew <laughs> they wanted to look for it and try to hit it, but they couldn't hit it. Right. I mean, you know, they didn't even come close. I said, fastball's coming just so we could get back into the count. Hey, and <laughs> hey just one more, one more question about that streak. Is it like DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak where he got shut out and then I think he got he got hit seventeen more games after that. Did did Hershiser get right back up on the horse after giving up a run and have another mini streak? Uh, you know, I remember him giving up uh, a couple runs. In, you know, um, after fifty nine innings right. started and, and you know, Oral was just uh, he had the great demeanor out there you know he never got upset about you know anything that happened an error or giving up a double or a single or something like that man he just went right back to work again all the great ones can do that they can put failure behind them so easily and go ahead and be successful again very quickly so it's um it was pretty good rick uh it's hard to believe 1983 was my first year with a show on the radio and it's hard to believe i know i'm getting older i'm 71 years old now but if you told me it's been 40 years uh the time has <laughs> flown by how special will, is it when you guys get together well it, it is you know because we had so much fun getting on each other all the time you know going to that clubhouse every day you had to look forward to it we were going to say something, you know, to get on uh, in that clubhouse. 
but we had so much fun together. You know, I think that's an ingredient that you have to have. I think it's an ingredient, you know, that uh, Rushman brings to uh, the club right now. At least, you know, I've never been in the clubhouse with all of these guys and are, are, are around them very much, but they look like they get along like we got along. Yep. And when you had Eddie Murray and Lee May and, and Ken Singleton, and guys like that in the clubhouse, they kept everybody on track. You know, <laughs> um, even when we had somebody that didn't hustle uh, out of ground ball or something, somebody would say something to them, you know, right. didn't right. cause fights or anything like that to that extreme. But I think everybody understood uh, where, what their role was when they, they put an Oreo uniform on and, and they were in that lineup and part of our ball club. You know, I've never, I've never partaken of a team that's won a championship. Well, I did win the JCC basketball championship one time, but uh, do you got, do you think you think about 1983 in the championship periodically? It'll just come into your head and you'll start thinking about it. Or is, is it when you guys get together and start reminiscing that it really kind of comes back and floods you with emotion? Yeah, you know, you know, after 27 years in pro ball, 24 of them at the major league level, I have a tendency to forget a lot of the things uh-huh. that that have happened, you know, that made a difference in the big games. All you have to do um, is ask all you have to do is go to Palmer and ask him. He'll remind you. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's the fantastic thing about him. He's got great recall. Jesus, um, I've never seen it. It's like unbelievable. I know it's incredible. I'm wondering at times whether or not it's just, uh, you know, he's just making some of <laughs> he's that. He's just stuff making up, it up. You know? and <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to challenge well, you know him? You know, you know he, he's pretty accurate on yeah. most of the stuff that he talks about. I don't, you know, I, I haven't found a glitch in his way of thinking yet. So <laughs> I've got, you know, he's, he was fabulous. He was, by far the the best pitcher long range I ever caught. Yeah. That one season, I've got to give it to Oral Hershiser because no, I caught sixteen Cy Young Award winners at some time or another, and none of them ever matched that one game. But let me throw one more name at you, okay? That was an amazement when he came to the Orioles was Steve, Steve Stone. Stone. I was just going to ask you about him because yeah, for yeah. one okay. for one season, I watched. As a fan, I watched Palmer, McNally, McGregor, Cuellar, all the great ones. But for one season, I knew the team was going to win just about every single time Steve Stone stepped on the mound that year. It was amazing. I got to take you back to that first game when he was down two runs in the in the ninth inning. And I, uh, we had a right-hand hitter up uh, with with one out. And uh, he had two strikes and no balls on the hitter. I don't forget who it was. Uh, I called for a curveball in the dirt, mm-hmm. which is something they never do anymore on purpose. Anyway, so uh, he stepped off the mound, and he, he looked very upset, and he called me out. I went out. I said, what's the matter, Steve? He goes, listen, I'm not going to throw a curveball in the dirt. Have it go to the backstop. The tie and run score and the winning run get to third base. Uh, <laughs> I remember saying, so he's basically not—he's basically not trusting your ability to block the pitch. 
Exactly. I said, listen, you don't throw that good to get the ball <laughs> by me. Okay. I said, throw the curveball in the dirt. I know this guy will swing at it. He always does. And uh, we'll get him out. We'll go to the third guy together. And he said, okay. So he throws the curveball in the dirt, swings and misses, two down. Next guy, fly ball, left field, game over. Mm. Okay, and he wins his first game. He had never won more than 12 games right. in any of his major league seasons coming to the Orioles. He ends up winning 25 games. Even Palmer never, never won, won 25, 25 games. games. Yep, yep. And that was an incredible thing about Steve Stone. He was so focused that year. It was amazing uh, the kind of season that Steve Stone put together. But, you know, some that's what the Orioles did to people. That's yep. at, at Old Memorial Stadium, you know, which was probably the worst ballpark we all ever played in. Yep. But we loved it but because loved the it. fans are what made that ballpark yeah. great. My wife just sent me a photo the other day. I don't know where she found it, but it was one of these photos of uh, Pat Santarone and Earl tending to their tomato plants. The tomato. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. I had forgotten all about that. Boy, who, you know, whose idea was that? Do you remember? You, you know, for the tomato plant? Yeah. Was it both of them it together? Was, I, I was under the impression it was Earl all along. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that Pat just tended to him. We're oh, yeah. We're talking yeah. with Rick Dempsey, World Series MVP 1983, and an Oriole Hall of Famer. Uh, Rick, the Orioles uh, this season are shocking the world a good bit. Do you get to watch much of the games? I watch quite a few of them. And, uh, you know, uh I, I give my A plus to uh, Adley Rushman because he's come in and taken control of that pitching staff. They all love him. They all trust him. Yep. Um, I like his demeanor. I think that's important. You know, I kind of felt like I had a connection with all of my pitchers. Uh, also, you know, um, I wasn't as uh, openly uh, lovable <laughs> as as Rushman is. But, um, you know, he just, um, you know, you've got to have good pitching and good defense to make it to the to playoffs and, and the World Series. That's always been in baseball that way. Uh, yeah, you've got to have a good offensive ball club, but Adley Rushman's one of the best hitting catchers I've ever seen. You know, um, I, I think of great hitting catchers, and I, I think of um, Ted Simmons with the St. Louis Cardinals switch hitting catcher uh, uh he wasn't uh, I, I don't think as good with a pitching staff as rushman is right but um you know what they're they're putting a, a good thing together uh, they all look like they they play well together that is a huge key and they all seem to get along enough to make a championship ball club so they're they're making a good run at it um uh, it's for real, and all of the young players that come up to this ball club, they all respond. Uh, I'm I'm really happy that the team has stuck with um, a, a couple of young guys. I think it was Henderson that came up and struggled so much at the very beginning, yeah. and now he's he's back on track and he's being very productive. Um, and that's the way it, I remember our ball club. When we, when young guys came up, 
they they fit in, you know, and it, no matter look at Cal. Cal struggled his first thirty at bats in the major leagues, and then all of a sudden, you know, he he just busted on the scene and became the best shortstop in all of baseball, all the way around. Good defense, you know, great offense, clutch hitter. I mean, you know. Eddie Murray had a lot to do with that to help him feel nice and relaxed and everything. Uh, and Ken Singleton, those those two guys were just quality, quality players, offense and defense. You know, you're not going to say, well, okay, Ken Singleton's not going to win a gold glove in the outfield. But you know something? He played awfully well, you know, for, for his level of talent. And all you had to do really is learn to hit the cutoff man and the relay man and all blah, blah. You know, and you put a lot of good things together. Our team played well. The Orioles are playing well. And every guy that comes up becomes a huge part of the lineup eventually. So those are the kind of things that, that I look at. Rick, uh, you mentioned, you know, how much these guys seem to be getting along together, like in the clubhouse. And I know you're not like you're not there right now, but how much credit should be given to Brandon Hyde right now and what he's done over the last you know, couple of seasons and, and seeing this thing all the way through into, into what is one of the best teams in all of baseball right now? Well, nobody ever got a chance to see Brandon Hyde and uh, and what he was really capable of doing uh, from the very beginning. He's we had a, a, a team that was a bunch of young guys that very unproven, you know, and no, but you, you've got to give him credit for the last two seasons. They've, they've continued to get better. He has a great impact on the ball club and he, uh, you know, you don't see him ever really getting real upset with uh, what's going on out there. And he's been consistent the whole time. You're going to see, what you know he's really made of going down the stretch here so i mean i i take my hat off to him because it's been a hard grind you know the losing at the very beginning for the first three three four years and now he's starting to get a little payback with these young guys responding the way that they have so you know it's 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 brandon hyde it's the coaching staff and, and all the things that they're doing together are paying dividends so i'm they're not going to go out there and get base hits and, and turn double plays and do all that stuff, but they can sure help these other guys uh, get the job done. Let's hope that it lasts going down to the finish line. This is where it really counts from this point on. All right. The 1983 luncheon is Friday, August the 4th. The guys are going to be here for much of the weekend. I hope fans will really pack the yard uh, they'll be playing the New York Mets, and ironically, Buck Showalter will be in town in probably one of the worst seasons Buck has had uh, record-wise as a manager, so it's ironic. Rick, I got one last question for you, and I wouldn't ask you this if you, you hadn't caught a lot of the guys that originally would come up, and I'm not talking about Palmer, but I'm talking about guys like Dennis Martinez, Storm Davis, Sammy Stewart, even Flanagan, I think, that would come up and pitch out of the bullpen as long men. And I'm wondering if Grayson Rodriguez wouldn't be more really beneficial to the team right now, the way he's been developed, uh, so many short starts over his career, complicated by the pandemic and that injury last year, 
would he be a bigger help to the team coming in in the fifth and sixth inning with 100-mile-an-hour gas and and holding the fort to turn the ball over to the late-inning guys? Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be very productive for this ball club yeah. uh, in the future. He's learning a lot about pitching, you know, and you're seeing some pretty good streaks out of him in innings, you know. But coming out of the bullpen, I mean, that, that decision is has got to be made by Brandon Hyde and and the pitching coach. Be, they'll know, um, you, you know, how he responds uh, to the pressure. And there's a lot right now because everybody, there's enough guys doing well. Everybody's kind of looking to see, you know, how, how are they responding? How are they acting and everything? So Rodriguez has been great in the minor leagues, and there's no doubt in my mind with Atley Rushman there to help push him along that he's going to respond in a big way uh, in the future here. You know, it, it may start today, tomorrow. Yep. I mean, he has shown some really good signs, and you know what the heck? I'm glad that we have him because I think um, he'll fall in place sooner or later and be 100%. Uh, uh, probably a good starter. If they want to put him in the bullpen, you know. Uh, I was talking great. about. I was it talking merely, response. Rick. I was talking merely about this year because of the innings limit they have on him. That it and and also the the weakness we've got in the bridge positions to get to Bautista. So it wasn't like my idea was to turn him into a reliever. It was just using him this year that way. Well, they the Orioles of my era did that to a lot of guys. That's what I was Sammy asking about. Stewart yep. is a guy who stuck out. Yep. You know, Sammy could start. He could go long. He could go short. You know, he could be a closer. <laughs> you know, Sammy had talent to do it all, and a lot of the Oriole pitchers were like that. So the question mark is just going to remain there for for everybody for a while until this young man just gets settled in, and it's going to take a little while. You can't right. do it all in one year. All right, Rick, I'll look forward to seeing you at the luncheon and hopefully over the course of the weekend. It should be an exciting time. Rick Dempsey, World Series MVP. And, and before we let you go, Rick, you got a hitathon coming up with the baseball warehouse, yeah. right? Uh, Tell us about to- that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I finally got my swing figured out, guys. I'm really anxious for that. <laughs> Is that the big story, a comeback next year, Rick? It's possible. It's possible that. At 70, let me see, next year I'll be 74, that I'll be the oldest guy to ever get a Major League base hit. Tell us about, <laughs> tell us about this hit-a-thon. <laughs> I, you know something? I know that we're going to have it. It's just, Griff, it's you just got going the details. Be, uh, it's August 2nd. It's uh, August up in, 2nd. Up in York, Pennsylvania from 10 to 4. Uh, all the, all the details are on uh, on Rick's uh, Twitter, so you can go you can go there to check that out. But yeah, Mike Bordick, uh, Rick Dempsey, some Orioles legends and Hall the of Famers. The baseball warehouse. The baseball warehouse. Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. Yes, David. sir. Yes, sir. All right. We yeah. got one last question for you from Grant DeVivo, our uh, intern here. He's dying to ask you this. Hey, Rick. Grant DeVivo here, uh, Glen Clark Radio intern. I want to also congratulate you on your new uh, baseball warehouse facility in Columbia, Maryland. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and what the plan is for the, the third location for the baseball warehouse? Well, yeah, we're in the process now of getting ready to open it up. It's very close. Um, the grand opening will be down the road a, cu- a couple of days and everything. We're, we're trying to get Palmer and a, 
few of the other guys singleton local guys to come out for that um so we've got a we've got a date on that in in, in a month or so but uh we'll, as we'll far get as you, opening up we'll get you ahead. back we'll get you back on the show and talk about that exact date all right you got it all you right. got it all right, he's okay. Rick. He's Rick Dempsey, World Series MVP, nineteen eighty three, coming back next weekend. Not this weekend when we play the Yankees. Next weekend versus the Mets. Rick, look forward to seeing you then. Okay. All Thanks. right, bud. I'll talk to you later. All right. There he is, Rick right, Dempsey. Thanks, Dan. Okay, Rick. Bye. All right. Uh, are we taking a timeout? He had to. I think he had to grab another yeah, yeah. call. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll take a break here. We All got right. tidbit tubular coming up on the other side. All right, that sounds good. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com Maryland, be open. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one gambler. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Stand the fan in for Glenn Clark, and uh, Glenn will be back on Monday in these uh, very studios. Tomorrow, Ken Zalis will take the hot seat. Thursday, Ken Zalis will take the hot seat, and then it'll cool down and I'll be here on Friday, mm-hmm. okay? But Good I week. will not be on as part of the show n- the following Friday. I'll be at the Orioles you'll be lunch. You'll be lunching it on. I'll be lunching it on with, with like all the, with all the Freeman mm-hmm. of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, it's time for the tidbit of the day. It is. It is indeed. Uh, so we will start with uh, South Frelick. We talked a little bit about him yesterday. He made his debut for the Milwaukee Brewers over the weekend. But South, is it Frelick or Frelick? Freelich. I, I heard Freelich. Okay, Freelich. Sal Freelich. He is the second Milwaukee Brewer to have five hits and a home run. He had his first career home run. That was last night, right? Or I think his first home run. Definitely his yeah. first home run was last night. And so with that, he became the second Milwaukee Brewer to have five hits and a home run in his first three career games. He joins one other Milwaukee Brewer, and it's pretty good company. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah. Robin Yount. No, nah, not Yount. Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor. In fact, in 1978. Damn, I was going to guess him. Before you said Hall of Fame, I was going to say Ryan Braun. Oh, uh, well, Ryan. Yeah, yeah that would have that been a good one. That's not as, I guess, that, that'd be still be pretty good company. Not yeah. not maybe as great of company. But uh, Colton Wong, he became the third player in Mariners history with a pinch hit go-ahead home run when trailing in the ninth inning or later. Third Mariners player to ever have a pinch hit go-ahead home run while trailing. He joins these two Mariners. Uh, well, one of them's a legend. The other one, you'll never guess. Uh, one's a legend. Yeah, one's I'm going to guess uh, Robin Yount. <laughs> no, not Robin Yount. For the Mariners? No. Oh, Mariners. I thought you were still talking about the Brewers. Oh, yeah. I could I could do Brewers tidbits all no, day. But, yeah, no, we'll, go we'll ahead. move to Wait, Oh, Colton Wong. Okay, I got Wong. I was thinking oh, right, he was because he was a Brewer. Yeah. Okay. You know what? So that's fair. That's a, fair. Repeat the question again. He joined. He is the third Mariner to hit a pinch hit go ahead home run when trailing in the ninth or later. Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess Ken Phelps is one of them. Not Ken Phelps. You got the first name right. Ken. Ken. Go ahead, Grant. Griffey. Yeah, Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey in 1990. Uh, did this, and then in 2016, Mariners legend Adam Lind hit a pinch hit go-ahead home run in the ninth inning. Adam Lind. Wow, yeah. that's a name I haven't heard in a while. That's a uh, out of the past. And uh, what other finally, teams did Adam Lind play for? He played so for I the Blue Jays. So Nationals. I can use him yeah, as the Blue Jays and Mariners. Okay. Yeah. He was a good pinch hitter for the Nationals. I remember that. Yeah, he had I a bomb yeah, off the ball right, though. Yeah, okay. he was all right with the Nats. Yeah. Um, I did a Scott Rowland tidbit yesterday. So the other Hall of Famer, Fred McGriff. Uh, I will do one in honor of him today. He reached the 30 this home is run. Multiple mark. tidbits today. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. You know, those okay. two were just short, like one I name answers. I thought it was answers. the tidbit of the day. Yeah, I'm giving you the tidbits of the day. <laughs> but I thought it was the tidbit. Well, I'm, of this is the tidbit. This okay. is this is now the tidbit. I give well, you what were little the other two. T- they're little tidbits. This is not those many, the many tidbits. Yeah, those are little appetizers, if you will, okay. for the for the All main right. event. We're d'oeuvres. Yes. We're yeah, d'oeuvres exactly. tidbits. Fred McGriff reached the 30 home run mark in 10 seasons, and he became the first player in history to hit 30 home runs with five different teams. First player in history to hit 30 home runs with five different teams. Can you name all those five? I mean, you probably can. 
Do you want to name the five teams that he did it for? That This wasn't going to be the tidbit. Wait a minute. The, am I naming the teams that Fred McGriff did it for? Yeah. That's the tidbit? Yeah, no, no, no. That wasn't going to be. But as I read it out loud, I was like, you know what? Maybe well, this, this is a good He did it with Atlanta. Tidbit. Yes, he did. He did it with San Diego. Yes, he did. He did it with Toronto. Yes. Tampa. Hold on, I'm waiting for it to load up now. I, I, I was, You're asking no, Tampa. me a question you don't have the answer to? Well, I mean, I can find it in 30 seconds, uh, but of course uh, I, my uh, my internet wants to be slow now. Yeah, okay. So the other question was... The other the question fi- was going to be the what five, players... The five players that have hit 30 home runs with... With, with no, which okay. My my question was going to be the player. So he is tied for fifteenth with the with ten home with ten seasons of thirty home runs. Okay. Can you name the six guys who have the most seasons of thirty plus home runs? These guys all range from thirteen to fifteen seasons of thirty home runs. And I've got to name fifteen guys. No, no, no. You got to name six. Six. Yeah. I'm going to guess Willie Mays is one of those guys. Willie Mays is surprisingly not one of them. He only Ooh. he only had 11 seasons of 30 home runs. Wait a minute. Hold on. I thought the question was, there's so many numbers, 10 seasons, 10 yeah. or more seasons. No, 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 no. I'm looking for the guys with the six guys with the most seasons of oh. 30 home runs. Okay. I thought it was 10. Go ahead, Grant. Big Poppy? Big Poppy, no, not on this list. Ted yeah. Williams. Ted Williams, not on this list either. A-Rod. A-Rod is tied for the most seasons of 30 home runs. Okay, then Barry 15. Bonds. Barry Bonds, surprisingly, I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Barry Bonds is on there, 14. Okay. Yeah. It didn't have him in his uh, in his Most seasons colors. of 30 home runs. Looking for four more. Yes, Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson is an excellent guess, but he is not in the top six. Okay. He had 11, along with Willie Mays. Mark McGuire. Mark McGuire, he had 11 as well. Okay. Not in the top six. How about Stan Musial? It's a really good guess. Not Stan. No. Mm, home run champ. How about Mike Schmidt? Mike Schmidt is in the top six. He had 13 seasons of 30 home runs. Oh, okay. 30 home runs. He had 13 seasons. Six players. So who have we gotten so far? So far, you have A Rod, Schmidt, and Barry. And we need three more. You need three more. Is how about Hank Aaron? Hank Aaron is tied with A Rod for fifteen seasons. Tied for first, fifteen seasons of thirty home runs. Yep. How about Sammy Sosa? Not Sammy Sosa. I was going to guess that one too. Sammy Sosa also had eleven seasons. Only eleven seasons. He's a cheater. Well, yeah. He's a cheater on. How about Rafael Palmero? Uh, Palmero, he, do it he had 10 seasons. Okay. I could have had you guys in the top 15. Um, like. Are any of them real old-timers? Yes. they. Oh. One just recently retired. One just recently retired. Very, very recently. I'm talking about like in and the then, 30s. Yeah, and then the other ones, yeah, 30. How about Mel Ott? Not Mel Ott. If it's recent, I should know this. How about Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth, of course. Oh, then 13 the one that just... seasons tied with Mike Schmidt. Okay. And the one that just recently retired. Recently retired. See one on being network every now and then now. Oh, dear Lord. Um, oh, jeez. Grant, come on. Dear Lord. Yeah, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear MLB Lord. Network? Yeah. He played... Jim uh, Tomei. No, Jim not Tomei. He had... Tomei had 11 as well. Billy Ripken. Not, bi- <laughs> not Billy Ripken. I see him on the MLB Network. That was my only giveaway there. I, I can't... No, Carlos Pena didn't even... I don't even think he played 13 no, seasons. Pena no, Carlos Pena didn't do that. Uh, so it's got to be a star player. That's that's where Tomei fit in. So you said he's on MLB Network. Can't think of. I guess I'll give you the. the he played for the Angels and the uh, Cardinals. Tim Salmon. 
No, not Tim Samuel. Uh, Pujols. Yes, Albert Pujols. Albert, Albert Pujols had 14 seasons. So we got it. Yeah, you got we it. Got well it. done, guys. Well, well done. Well done. Well done. It was hard to do. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean. Right. It, I didn't mean for it to be that hard. And yes, uh, Fred McGriff, Tampa, uh, Atlanta, San Diego, um, and Toronto. And then the uh, Chicago Scopes. He had 30 home runs. Four. Who did? Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff, the, the crime Chicago. dog. Yeah, the crime. Am dog. I having that bad of a day to guess Tim Salmon on that one? <laughs> that was a Tim that Salmon. That was not a good guess. No, it was not. <laughs> My guesses, hey, right. were, my guesses were very good, weren't they? Uh, Ted yeah. Williams, Stan Musial, Sammy. You guys Sosa, did a well. You guys Jim did a great Tomai, job great, of, of tag teaming. Great that guesses. One. Yeah. yeah. All right. And before we get out of here, I'll run over to Totally Tubular for you guys. Yep. Starting with the sports here, the Orioles do play. They play at six forty. First pitch. Kyle Gibson on the mound against Taiwan Walker of the Phillies. That's going to be on Mass and Two once again. Uh, I'm not sure why the Orioles keep getting relegated to Mass and Two, especially when their game starts. Uh, starts before the uh, Rockies. Why is that considered a relegation? Game. Well, because it's Masson too. They should be on Masson, the Masson, shouldn't they? Okay. You don't. You, you don't. Okay. You don't have a problem with them being on Masson too. No. Uh, the basketball tournament. The Shell Shock team. Shell Shock plays their first game tonight. Uh, this is the like the Maryland Alumni Club. They'll have Daryl Morcel along with a, a several other several other uh, former Terrapins uh, participating in the game. That one's at four o'clock on ESPN Plus. Lenny Elmore, Tom McMillan playing on that team. <laughs> they will not be playing on that team. Okay. Yeah, these are going to be guys that are you know still. I bet Jim O'Brien. I don't think he'll be playing either. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, FIFA, uh, the, the Women's World Cup continues. Uh, the let's see, what time is the first last game tonight? Night, last night, who won the Korea Columbia game? I'm guessing Columbia. Uh, give me one second, Stan. Yeah. I'll have those answers for you. Columbia won that game. Was that what? What time was so that? So far, game I was watched. I've watched three and a half halves of women's soccer, and I've yet to see a goal. Your uh, your your bet would have hit, Stan. You had Colombia minus one and a half. They won two nil over South Korea. So 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 well hit. done. I did hit. Uh, and uh, yeah, the Korea. I got to root for South Korea. At one a.m. tonight, Japan, Costa Rica, Spain, Zambia at three thirty in the morning. If uh, you don't plan on sleeping tonight, so there. There you go. I know Stan because you, you on your drive back uh, from uh, Philly. Maybe uh, maybe you can throw in some some World Cup uh, on ESPN. The Aces in the Chicago Sky, new episode of The Ultimate Fighter, and uh, the rest. Go ahead uh, and check out check check out at glennclarkradio.com. WWE NXT, non sports for you. G- Golden Boy Part Two that is going to be on HBO. The Oscar De La Toya uh, documentary on HBO. Jim Gaffigan has a comedy special that's going to be on Prime Video. Big Jim Gaffigan fan, right, Grant? Okay, well, there you go. And then uh, on Discovery, it's Shark Week. I should have mentioned it yesterday, but Shark Week uh, continues. It is going to be Shark Week all week, so you can check out uh, that all day on Discovery. Uh, and that, uh, that'll that that'll wrap us up, Stan. You got anything uh, to add before you I've you're... got nothing to add. I wish Ken Zalas all the best in the next couple of days, and I'll rejoin you guys on Friday. Yeah, tomorrow we're going to have... Uh, what, 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 I had a show plan. Oh, Mike Axisa from uh, CBS Sports. We'll talk some trade so deadline. bring out the good guests, you know. Well, yeah, well I mean, yeah. They're, they're all good guests. Yeah, you, we had a good show. You're shelling our guests sure today. Uh, we'll do a fancy segment with us, with Ken, and then Jamie Watson will join us in studio, the loyal... Uh, uh, soccer play-by-play voice, and we'll talk some World Cup. Okay, that yeah. sounds good. Uh, our thanks today to Grant DeVivo for coming in a second day. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for having really me. appreciate well done, all the uh, the work you put in. want to thank Rich Dubroff, who was on with us, BaltimoreBaseball.com. Bo Smolka writes for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. And, of course, we thank our friend Rick Dempsey for joining us 
about the Orioles and their celebration a week from Friday, uh, the 1983 World Series champions. I think as many as about 19 or 20 of those team those team members are going to be there. That's good. That's All good. Right. That'll, that'll be a fun weekend. All right. I know that uh, apparently Eddie and Cal will not be at the luncheon on Friday, but they will be there Saturday. Did you see the picture that uh, that that uh, that Frank Thomas uh, posted over the weekend uh, up up in Cooperstown? No. Of, of it was his lunch oh, table. Oh, lunch table. Was yeah, Eddie it was Murray. Cal, Fred, yeah. Fred McGriff. Right. It was uh, Chipper Jones was there. I can't even name the entire yeah. table, but yeah. it was a legendary, legendary lunch table yeah. there. A Rod. Hopefully, that's what there. your table looks like. A Rod wasn't there. Was A Rod wasn't there. No. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's my equivalent to, <laughs> to I hate Duke or to Glenn's I hate Duke. So A-Rod, wasn't State, there. A-Rod wasn't A-Rod. there. All right. Uh, that does wrap us up for the day. Uh, we'll talk to you on Friday. Again, Ken Zalis in tomorrow and Thursday. My Zoom this week moved to Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesday. Rob Ambrose joins Gary Stein and I tomorrow night. Looking forward to that one. Mm-hmm.